Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Wednesday morning to each and every one of you. Another beautiful sunny day here in Hamilton, Ohio, boys. It is. I mean, it's like clockwork. You wake up, the sun shines. It's like choking on a bone. It doesn't make any single difference. You show up here in Hamilton, Ohio, and it is a beautiful day. We're not going there. Nope. You already did. No, we're not. We're not fully going there. I'm not getting involved in the legal process and some of the proceedings in Hamilton, Ohio, and certainly not the Ohio Supreme Court. My good friend Joe Dieters, I'm not doing it. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 to 12 p.m. You can find us on YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. We're broadcasting live on Twitter at Seabox Sports. And if you'd rather uh, download us in podcast form, by all means, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. We'll get to Marty Brenneman here in just a couple of minutes. We talked a lot about the Bengals facing three backup quarterbacks while starting their own backup quarterback over the final four weeks of the regular season. In this weekend's case, they will face the backup to the backup. Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell announced yesterday that Nick Mullins will get the start over Joshua Dobbs in that matchup at Paycor Stadium. That is Saturday, don't forget, at 1 o'clock. Now, Mullins has been a part-time starter in 2018, again, 2020 with the 49ers. He replaced the ineffective Dobbs last week in a dreadful 3-0 win over the Raiders, but they won the game. O'Connell added that star receiver Justin Jefferson might play this weekend after suffering a chest injury last week. As for the Bengals, Jamar Chase showed up on the injury report yesterday. Something about a tender ankle. No word on how serious that might be. How about the bombshell report by Patriots uh, insider Tom Curran last night? He claims New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft has already made the decision to part ways with his six-time Super Bowl-winning head coach, Bill Belichick, at season's end. Curran on NBC in Boston said that decision was made after the team's game in Germany weeks ago. Belichick has won just one playoff game since Tom Brady left as his starting quarterback three seasons ago. College Hoops, UC Bearcats, it was sluggish in the first half, no doubt against Bryant, but they got it going in the second half, outscoring the visitors 55-26 to in the second half in route to an 85-53 win. C.J. Frederick was able to find the basket last night after not finding it at all against Xavier. He led five players in double figures with 14. Aziz Badego had a double-double, 12 and 17. The Bearcats take on Dayton this Saturday. That game is at Heritage Bank Arena. Tip-off Saturday night, 7P. On the pro side, does it ever end with Draymond Green? I mean, does it ever end? He was ejected from last night's loss to Phoenix after receiving a flagrant foul two after hitting an opponent in the head. It looked like he punched him. He says he was trying to flop. I don't know. It's his third ejection in a game this season, and the league is now considering a lengthy suspension for Draymond Green. And, of course, the Warriors, they just enable, 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 enable. That's what Steve Kerr does. Enable, 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 enable. In baseball, the Reds introduced recent addition Jamer Candelario at a press conference yesterday at the Old Ballpark. Marty Brenneman will have something to say about that 
around the corner. What's going on with the Kansas City Royals? They ain't former reliever turned starter Seth Lugo. Three years, $45 million. He pitched well for San Diego in 26 starts last year. Kansas City also signed reliever Chris Stratton. A one-year deal he split last season between St. Louis and Texas. And the San Francisco Giants signed Korean League star Young-Ho Lee to a seven-year, $114 million contract. The 25-year-old outfielder is expected to bat near the top of the batting order. Haven't seen a lot of players come over from Korea and have great success, but we'll see how that plays out. All right, without further ado, we welcome in to talk about all that is baseball and life in general, the Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman. Good morning, Dad. How's everything going today out there in Anderson Township, Ohio? Is it a beautiful sunny day like it is in Hamilton, Ohio? Without any question, it's a lovely, lovely day. The temperature is going to be on the climb in the next two or three days, plus 50 degrees. And mm. at this time of year, that's always a good thing. So I'm all smiles today until Elliot or somebody else pisses me off. <laughs> Even if Elliot isn't around, would you put a time clock on how long it takes in most of your days for somebody to really get under your skin? I mean, whether it's your wife, whether it's a dog, the cat, somebody else, generally how long after you get up does it take before somebody gets under your skin? You know, the older I get, the more laid back I get. I, I don't get, you know, if I want to vent my spleen, I'll do it on Twitter. Um uh, but I, I don't. I don't really get all bent out of shape too often. When I do, it's it's legendary. But um, uh, you know, I, I'm just not interested in that kind of stuff anymore. Okay. All right. Well, that's. I'll, I'll keep that in mind during the holidays. We'll see how that plays. Please out. do. Um, yeah. So, Jamer Candelario. Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking at some of the numbers on this guy. I mean, look, the Reds know what they're getting. They're getting a solid hitter. He's been a productive player. He's never been a great player, but he's a very good player. Uh, I thought it was a good sign for the team, even with a, you know, a whole, you know, sort of backlog of infielders on this team. Uh, but, it, but it seems like it makes sense and a step in the right direction. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think it's a great signing, Tom. I, I think, uh, you know, the guy hit 22 home runs last year. I think he knocked in 80 runs with the Tigers, uh, batted 255, 256, which is a little bit above average. But, uh, you know, I don't I don't think they signed Candelario thinking they were going to get a high average hitter. That's not what they wanted. Uh, they were looking for a guy who could switch it and, and could hit for power and drive in runs. And I think they got that. And a guy that's versatile enough to play both of the corner infield positions plus uh, DH, which I think he'll probably do quite a bit of. But again, I think it muddies the water a bit. You know, people have already said, well, you know, you got enough infielders. Who's the odd man out? Well, on the heels of that comes a story that uh, Jonathan India has told the club that he would be willing to go out and take reps in the outfield during spring training with an eye toward playing out there during the regular season. That's fine. But then it's a domino effect no matter which way you go, whether you keep him on the infield Whose spot is he taking on a given day or days? If you put him in the outfield, uh, Jonathan India, whose spot is he taking? Um, they got some problems, I think, with too many good players. And I didn't know that in our lifetime we'd ever be able to say that again. But at least based on the rookie years of a lot of very talented young people, um, 
I, I don't know what they're what they're thinking is unless they know that they're going to make a trade uh, involving some people who we may have seen quite a bit of last year, whoever that might have been. But I don't know how I don't know how you're going to keep everybody happy uh, with the makeup of this roster as it stands right now, as far as infielders and outfielders are concerned. You know, it is really, you know, don't you think, though, Dad, and look, you've seen you know, a billion of these guys come and go, and and obviously if you're a Reds fan or whatever team it is you root for, when you bring up your young players, especially in a market size like Cincinnati, uh, you want to see them all do well and play well. But 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 Nick Crawl has been pretty much, has been extremely upfront uh, about saying, hey, look, uh, you know, there were a lot of good things we saw from, from all of these guys to varying degrees, some more consistent McLean and Steer than others, Strand, De La Cruz, etc. But that you can't count on these guys coming back and being great their second year. Well, I've said I've said that for the last two weeks. Uh, you don't want to be a doomsayer, but at the same time, you got to look at the entire picture. The term "sophomore jinx" came out of baseball because of the so many over the years, and that's this is a term that's been around as long as you've been alive, certainly, and probably for most of my life. And that is based on young guys coming out of the minor leagues and playing extremely well in their first season. And then for whatever the reason, it doesn't happen in the off season. I mean, in the second year. Now, that doesn't apply to everyone, as we well know. But at the same time, I think when you're trying to determine how good this team can be, you have to take into effect that maybe some of these kids that we got all excited about last year with good reason don't match up in their second year in the big leagues to what they did in the first year. And if that should happen to a number of them, then this ball club could have some problems. And I mean, you have to face facts. People say, well, you're a jerk because once again, you're negative about this club. No, I'm not. I'm just looking at the realistic way that this whole situation uh, should be looked at. And, uh, you know, it, uh, hopefully all these guys will perform up to the standard that they performed last year. And with the addition of Candelario um, and the improvement in the bullpen, which I think has uh, got a chance to be big. Uh, and they come up with that starting pitcher that we've heard ad nauseum for the last month and a half that so far has not materialized. This club will be very, very good. You know, uh, when you talk about those young players, I mean, I, I think the best example is, is one that is sitting right there before your very eyes. I think if you look at this time last year, everybody was talking about the quote-unquote big three, right, in the starting rotation. Hunter Green, right. another year where you see flashes of brilliance, you see mediocrity, you see flat-out bad. Another trip on the injured list for a couple of months. Lodolo basically doesn't pitch the whole year. Ashcraft starts like wildfire, goes two months, he can't get anybody out, gets hurt, comes back, pitches well, hurt again. And then last year, the two guys everybody talked about being the best offensive players, the cornerstones of the franchise, Stevenson and India. Neither one of them had particularly good years. So, I mean, I think it's right there in front of Reds fans where, you know, I think a lot of them were able to say, oh, you know, and now that I think back to that, I remember that. Yeah, that's probably right. Right. And, and well, yeah, I'll tell you pitchers, something. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I, please, please continue. No, I was going to say, and I don't know whether you all saw this or not, but I think anybody connected or as a fan or whatever 
with the game of baseball is aware of the website fan graphs. It's an analytically based uh, website. They listed the win totals that they are predicting from one to 30 the other day, and they posted it on Twitter. They had the Reds winning 77 games in 2024. Now, what they base that on, I have no idea because I'm not tuned into analytics. But that's what they had, 77 wins and uh, 85 losses for the 2024 season. Boy, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I wasn't aware of that. That's really, really, really interesting uh, on the heels of having a plus 500 year last year. That's right. Um, you know, I, it, it makes me, you know, well, it's got to be a combination of, you know, the, the, they're not sold on the starters or at least the health of the starters in terms of the rotation. Right. And obviously they're not sure what guys are going to do uh, in their second year. And we'll see how that whole thing plays out. I'm sure this time last year, they certainly weren't predicting the Reds to win 82 games or whatever it was. So, no, they weren't. You know, so hopefully they're going to be wrong again. Um, yeah. I'll shift gears to a minute. Um, you know, you're starting to see, you brought it up, you touched on it a second ago about the deal we keep hearing about that could be coming for a starting pitcher. Ken Rosenthal is reporting this morning the Dodgers are looking to make that glass now trade happen. Right. Um, and, you know, haven't heard anything on the Reds front. Not that that tells you Nick Crawl isn't behind the scenes wheeling and dealing. But, you know, are you walking that fine line between what we just talked about a minute ago of moving some younger players, right, to go get that starting pitcher. Uh, are you walking that, that, that fine line of, boy, if we, you know, if we trade the wrong ones? I mean, you can't go back and remake a deal. But, you know, John Sherholt used to say all the time, you better know your players better than other people know your players. Yeah, I, uh, I saw the glass now thing, and that's never concerned me. I wouldn't have him on a bet. Uh, I think his track record from a physical standpoint has 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 been very uh, very very questionable. He has trouble staying healthy and staying in uniform. Uh, and I'm sure and I know he's a very talented kid without any question. But at the same time, uh, him going to LA would not bother me in so far as saying, well, that's one less pitcher that the Reds have a shot at. Uh, I think there's still more out there. You know, you see Shane Bieber's name. You've seen. Michael Walker's name mentioned, uh, uh, who I've always been a big fan of as long as he's healthy. Um, so I, 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 I don't believe that Nick Kroll um, is going to open the 2024 season uh, as president of baseball operations uh, without making a deal of a pitcher. And I don't know that, you know, it, it, when you're when you're blessed with a kind of talent in abundance, young talent that he has. I don't know that you could be concerned about, well, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about how these guys may play somewhere else. I mean, if you're going to have cold feet, then you're not going to be able to pull the trigger on a deal that may or may not uh, be beneficial to your club. But I think the fans are now have a very high level of expectation relative to uh, this team getting a veteran pitcher to go with, whoever the four youngsters will be to join him in that rotation, if in fact it ever happens. Yeah, yeah. 
I want to move to the uh, Ho Otani deal. Not so much that they gave him a, a 10-year contract for $700 million, uh, which was roughly $250 million more uh, than what was the highest-paid contract to Mike Trout. I, you know, uh, and then it comes out, which I think made bigger news in the actual signing itself, is the way that contract is structured. And that is he's yeah. only going to make, I was at your house the other night, we were talking about this, $2 million a year uh, for each of the next 10 years, and then they owe him uh, $680 million uh, for the years 2034 to 2043. This, this just right. can't be... You know, again, I go back to Ken Rosenthal. I, I've never understood why these writers celebrate these contracts as if they're signing them on their own. I love Ken Rosenthal, but I've never understood why the press bangs the drum all the time for these players getting these huge deals. And then Ken followed that up with saying, this is a good deal for baseball. How in the world is this a good deal for baseball and for the quote-unquote little guy out there maybe nobody cares about the little guy they do around here well you know what I, i'm not as i'm not as disappointed with his comments as you appear to be i i think he makes some very valid points yeah uh when people when people start screaming uh the haves and the have-nots how how many times in the last 10 or 12 years have the haves won a world championship as opposed to some other clubs that are lesser lights in terms of how much money they're going to spend I don't think it's – Dodgers are the best recent example of that as far as 2023 is concerned. Um, you know, the Yankees. So I, I don't – and I and I understand exactly where the other side is coming from because it certainly points up uh, the, the imbalance, if you will, of, of what goes on in Major League Baseball and the guys that uh, will spend whatever they need to without any concern at all uh, about the bottom line to, to try and put a team that's capable of getting to the postseason and then winning world championship. Um, the Otani deal is, is, is in excess, I think, of what anybody ever dreamed about, uh, obviously. And, and I think part of the thing is the writers extol it and write about it because they finally got something to write about. I don't know that they all believe that it's for the good of the game, but I think they love to write about it because he gives them something to write about. Uh, this ain't the best time in the year to be writing, and some of the crap I read are, are are very obviously articles that don't hold any merit at all. But the guy said, "Well, you know what? I don't have anything to read. Right? Yeah. I'll write about this." So I I don't I don't put any stock in all that crap. Yeah, and I mean I'm not sitting here beating up Ken Rosenthal because I think the guy does a phenomenal job and has for a long, long time. I I I just don't you know the the arguments he posted in that uh, column in the Athletic. Yeah, you're right. There were some viable points in there. But, you know, yeah. it just seems to me, obviously, it's according to the rules. You can get away with it. We saw this really for the first time in football with the 49ers and the Cowboys many, many years ago about ways to maneuver around the salary cap with signing bonuses and, you know, all this kind of thing. I just, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, does it guarantee the Dodgers are going to win? No, it doesn't guarantee the Dodgers are going to win. But what it does guarantee is that when you have Shohei on the books for $2 million, it guarantees two things. You can go spend all the money you want to spend on other players to get even better, and it also circumvents a luxury tax, which was put in there for a reason that would keep 
the haves from always dominating the have-nots. Because the have-nots might get to the playoffs, and they might even get to the World Series, as we saw this year with Arizona. But at the end of the day, the big money team is winning this thing every single year outside of Kansas City nearly 10 years ago. Well, you know, it is what it is. Uh, It's not going to stop because Reds, the Reds, I mean, not the Reds, but the game itself has evolved into something that uh, from an economic standpoint is is not very, very attractive. I would recommend to people, uh, and I've been looking for a spot to do this, there is a book entitled The Game, and it's written by a guy that I've not, by honestly, I've never heard of him. His last name is spelled P-E-S-S-A-H, John Pissa. I guess that's how you pronounce it. He has earlier written a book about Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. So he's he's been involved with sports. He's written about athletes. This book is is basically covers a period of the decade of the 90s with emphasis on Bud Seelig, George Steinbrenner, Donald Fear. And I want to tell you what, it is a sensational book. Not just a good book, a sensational book. It's very, very long. It's inside stuff, most of which people have never, ever been uh, uh, privy to about Bud and, and, and how little money he had when he owned the, the Brewers early, uh, how he politicked to build a new ballpark in, in Milwaukee, but the mayor wanted it downtown. And uh, and then Steinbrenner and his, his tirades uh, with his general managers and managers and and, and, and it, it's just an outstanding book. And it, and it will point up going through the strike of 1994 uh, when the, well, going into the possibility that the players, uh, owners would use uh, replacement players. It's a great book. I would recommend it to anybody. And, and, and when you read it, you get a pretty good feel for, you know, the, the relationship between the union and, and ownership. Uh, you know, Bud became commissioner. He succeeded Faye Vincent. That That's covered in the book. Uh, Donald Fair, who this writer claims existed because he had an incredible hatred of Major League Baseball ownership. And to beat them was the one, most wonderful thing in his entire life. Uh, it's a good book. I recommend it. The Game. The Game. Okay. I mean, that sounds yep. like it. And you were telling me the other night, you were just starting into the chapter about, you know, the whole uh, PEDs thing and, and where that all kind of got going when baseball was, was quote unquote, reborn during that home run chase in 98 between Sosa and McGuire under the watch of Bud Seelig. Yeah, and I'm going to be interested to get it really into that because I've often felt that, that everybody knew what was going on. But in that never-to-be-forgotten season when the race went one-on-one between Sammy and, and McGuire, uh, I think baseball turned its back to it. At least the commissioner did. And I, I, I made that statement some years ago, and he got upset with me for saying it. Um, I still believe it, and I'll believe it till I go to my grave unless I read something in this book written by this guy that makes me think otherwise. Uh, but it's a, it's a hell of a book. I recommend it to any baseball fan. Okay, anything else uh, on your mind before we start bouncing around in the studio here today? Oh, okay, you came prepared today. How how about the Al Michael situation? 
Well, what are your thoughts on, for those of you that don't know, uh, Al Michaels, of course, legendary play-by-play announcer in, in every sport. You replaced Al Michaels here in Cincinnati in 1974 when he left here to go to the Giants. Uh, but it came out yesterday, and, and apparently in a story in the New York Post, he was surprised when the author of this story, the writer of this story, called Al Michaels to ask his reaction to not being in the postseason roster of NBC, even though he doesn't work there anymore. That was kind of built into a contract. And that they're going right. with uh, Noah Eagle, the son of Ian Eagle, uh, as the second team of their two postseason games. No, Al Michaels. Your thoughts? Well, you know, Al and I have been friends for a long time, and and uh, uh, Al had a reputation early on of being tough to work with. I've often, I've always got along well with him. I I spent time with him at uh, Vince Scully's funeral uh, back last year, and and I I have. There's no question. He's one of the greatest play-by-play guys who's ever lived. I mean, that's open and shut. But I just wonder, Tom. You know, they, they, he and uh, Tony Dungy were criticized for, quote, low energy performances in a couple of games that they did. Uh, Al blew it off. Uh, I don't know whether or not that has come into play, but what I think it does is, and, and he, he and I have talked about it because I, I kid him all the time about, you know, why the hell don't you retire? You've got more money than three third world nations. I mean, you got more money than anybody could ever possibly imagine. And, you know, his answer was, I still enjoy what I'm doing. Well, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes, and I'm not saying this is the case, but it certainly could have come into play, uh, that the powers that be took into account that maybe they thought differently of those low-energy telecasts that he and Dungey had um, and, 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 and looked at it in a different way than Al did. And I just think whether or not it's an example, it surely makes me think that, when you work a long time at whatever level you work at, especially in our business, you got to know when to retire. You got to know when to get out when you are still on top of your game. And I just wonder if some of these people that pull the plug on other guys look at this situation and saying, you know, he's not what he used to be. Uh, you know, I'm 81. Al's got to be 77, maybe. He's three or four or five years younger than me. Um, so I don't know. I, it's, I think it's unfortunate that it comes to this, especially from one of the truly greats in the history of the, of the, of the yeah. business. But sometimes, you know, you put yourself in a position where because of your age, and nobody will ever admit to that, but because of your age, people are looking, you, looking at you with a little bit more scrutiny than they otherwise would. Well, and you know what they're doing is, and look, I was a beneficiary of this uh, going all the way back to 1994 when the Fox Network just showed up literally out of nowhere and got Madden and Summerall and, and Stockton and Millen and then a bunch of young guys and Joe Buck and Kenny Albert and me and Kevin Harlan uh, as the original you know, play-by-play group for the NFL on Fox. Uh, NBC is going really, really young. Uh, with a lot of inexperience. And, and as it plays out, you know, you look back then, I remember Jim Lampley, your old friend, North Carolina guy, uh, saying at the time in the newspaper, uh, when Fox hired me and Buck and Harlan and Albert, you know, these guys, I mean, give me a break. They're all young. They'll never get it done. This is ridiculous. Our lineup is experienced, all that kind of thing. Well, you know, Fox, you know, in hindsight, it wasn't a bad move hiring that quartet of guys. I mean, all no. of them have various levels to success. Nobody comes close to Joe Buck as far as, right. as events are concerned. But, you know, now they're going with Noah Eagle, who's Ian Eagle's son. 
He's not had any NFL experience whatsoever. And, man, there's a lot of pressure when you walk into that. NBC, in fact, has done that with a couple of guys, with Noah Eagle, Chris Collinsworth's son, Jack Collinsworth. He's taken a lot of heat this year on the Notre Dame telecast. So, you know, I hope that they, they'll, they'll stand by those young guys and, and not throw them to the wolves. Back then, there wasn't social media like there is now, judging every single word that comes out of your mouth. Yeah, uh, that's one of the biggest factors of all. That people tend to overlook when they start talking about situations like this is that the 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 criticism is a millionfold over it used to be because of social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever the case might be. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. All right, uh, it's that time again. Okay, as we like to do every single week, we like to bounce around the room a little bit uh, with uh, Elliot, with Reed, and with Casey. Casey, I want to start with you this week. We never start with you because you are the the the, the brains of this whole operation. Do okay. you have anything for Mr. Brenneman? I actually do. I actually do have something for him. Uh, there's a huge matchup for your Carolina Tar Heels. Cal. 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 And then right after that, Oklahoma, you got a big week of college basketball, don't you? Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they lost a tough game to Connecticut. They played very poorly uh, at the outset of the second half. And then they got their game together a little bit, ended up losing to the number one team in the nation by 11 points. Uh, thank goodness they're not playing at Rupp Arena. Uh, that game is being played in Atlanta. Uh, and I, I think that game's a toss-up. I think Carolina can beat Kentucky just like I think Kentucky can beat Carolina. Um, and then Oklahoma, I don't know that I'm, I may, this might come back to bite me, but I don't think that the Oklahoma game is as much of a concern in terms of wins and losses as, as the Kentucky game is, even though Oklahoma, I think, is ranked 11th in the country. I found it interesting that uh, despite the loss to Connecticut, Carolina began that game number nine in the country. And they are still number nine in the country. So in the eyes of the so-called experts, and I put that word in quotes, um, their performance against Connecticut, or at least uh, the periods of that game, indicated that Carolina can play and pretty much play with anybody. I think Carolina's the kind of team that's going to get better and better and better as the season goes along. But conversely, I think Kentucky is going to do the same thing. I think they've got a chance at having one of the big men who have not played all year long available to play in the game come Saturday down in Atlanta. So that will be an addition uh, to uh, their uh, their roster that they've not had the privilege of having since the season began. Uh, Cal will have them ready to go, though. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Cal will have them ready to go. All right, yeah. Reed, uh, how about you? Anything on your mind today for Marty Brenneman? Yeah, the only thing I really have on my mind here in the season of giving, the holiday season, oh. was uh, – I. You know, everyone has their favorite holiday traditions. And I was just wondering, uh, you know, when you were when you were raising Tom and raising your family, what was your, your favorite holiday tradition back in the day? I don't think we had a holiday tradition. I, Tom may remember something. I don't. Um, you know, there's no real tradition. I, I think the older you get, uh, in my case, it's more important to be around family uh, than maybe it was earlier in my life when I was trying to make inroads toward a career uh for instance a thanksgiving uh, get together we had in in chicago with tom and his family and 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 dawn and her family uh, that was important to me 
And then uh, Tom and his family and, and Ashley, my youngest, and his, her family are coming over next week uh, for a, a Brenneman Christmas uh, get-together, uh, uh, probably about a week ahead of Christmas because people are going out here and there. So I think that the togetherness aspect of it is more important for me now than it is any particular tradition that uh, has been carried on year after year after year. All right. Well, that leads us to uh, the UC man. Yeah. That would be Elliot Rearing, Dad. Say good morning to Elliot. Elliot. Hi, Marty. How you doing? I'm good, Elliot. How are you? Very good. Listen, these guys were asking kind of sillier questions. I'm going to try to be, I'm going to try to be more serious with you, if, if that's okay. Whatever you want. Okay. So I'm, I didn't know if you know this, Marty. I, you're, you're very well. Uh, you, you know everything about Cincinnati, all, all the goings and happenings uh, here in the, in the tri-state area. I was wondering if you, if you heard about my retirement, because I'm also retired, Marty. Retired from what? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. You gotta, yeah, yeah, Elliot. Yeah. You got to work before you can retire. Yeah, and I, Marty, you could argue. What the hell are you retired from? I'm retired from gambling, Marty. And I would argue that nobody, nobody has worked harder than me. Nobody. That's a very good point. I'll back up, Elliot, on this one. He has worked very hard at this, and he announced it on Twitter after the two-minute disaster of the Miami-Tennessee game the other night when he he was seen on Twitter crawled up, curled up under his bed. Yeah. Uh, in just complete disgust. So go ahead. Yeah, Mart, I was I was very distraught, but I, I would say me and you retired under similar circumstances, right? I, you retired a legend. Uh, I retired as the very worst gambler uh, in the history of the world. Now I'd say it's pretty similar, but going off that, I would I would ask you this: If the Reds offered you to come out of retirement and they had a Shohei Otani deal for you, here now you I have your contract written out here. It's a little different. So you're going to get paid $25 a game and one free cheese coney for three years. And once the three-year deal ends, you get a check for $1 billion in the rights to the city. You just The whole city becomes Marty Brenneman town. Would you do it? You mean right now today, right? Yeah, right now today. Were, yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm less than six months away from my 82nd birthday. Right? Yes. Yes. There is no way on God's earth. Sometimes I struggle to get through the day. Yeah. Um, so no, I it, now, you know, they make that offer when I was sixty or sixty-five. Yeah, I'd have probably gone for that. And yeah. twenty-five bucks a game and uh, uh, skyline chili. Uh, you know, five way. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. Yeah. But not now. No. Yeah. I- yeah, I, I would agree with you. That's probably. a dumbass question, too. Well, that's well. Okay, what instead of a one billion dollars on the back end, you get to ride Redzilla unlimited times. You just get to go out there on the golf cart and fire T-shirts at people. No, Unlim- would, but I'd have to. If I did that, I'd have to supplant Phil Castellini because he loves to ride in that damn thing. So does he? Uh, okay. Yeah. It. it it, it, did you, you know, you know, I'm going to be on pretty much every Wednesday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Roughly. How roughly. do you how do you reach a point okay. where you ask the most inane questions? Well, of anybody I've ever been interviewed by. 
Marty, you get interviewed by all these hot shots, all these guys that That's are trying to right. be serious elitists. That's They're, right. You know, these guys aren't very fun. These aren't the guys you want at parties. I'm the guy you want at the party, Marty. Look at my dancing clown shoes. I'm going to dance for you, and I'm going to make you laugh. I'm going to be a silly little guy, and you're going to be in that corner with a drink in your hand laughing at me. And that's what I bring. That's the spirit that I bring. And speaking of that, Marty, uh, at, a par at a holiday party coming up, are you going to be a fan of eggnog? I saw that in the chat. Will you be drinking eggnog? I don't eggnog? drink eggnog. That's good. I don't, like, I, don't drink, I don't drink eggnog. Yeah, that's good. That's very let good. Me, I think let me go gross. back. Let me go back to something you just said a moment ago. Okay, okay, good. I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. Okay. I'm going to be that little guy at the party. They can say yeah. a lot of things about you, oh, but Jesus. little ain't one of them. <laughs> now. You know, was it, who's, who's the one, who's the one, uh, who's the broadcaster? Is that, is that, who's, is Al Michaels the one who doesn't eat vegetables? Who's the broadcaster? Yes, who I think it is Al Michaels. Yeah. It is it Al is, Michaels. It is, yeah. Now, it's Marty, now, Marty, if you utilize that strategy of never eating anything green, where do you think you'd be in your life? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm 81 years old. I'm in pretty good shape. You are. You uh, look great. Yeah. Oh, I guess. So I, I can't. sucking up. I know. See, you got to do that, don't you? Yeah, he does. He's got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. He just can't I, be I like a straight green shooter. vegetables. Okay. That's good. That's good. All right. That's all yeah. I had. Thank okay. you, Marty. All right. All yeah, right. It, okay. Thank you, Elliot. You know, I, I feel like I almost owe you an apology for today. No, I, you, I know. Uh, because the question that Trace asked about Carolina playing Kentucky and Oklahoma, and then uh, the, the question that, that Reed asked, yeah. they were real bona fide questions. Right. Now, he gives up gambling. Is that, is that, that's, that's the take I got from that, that yes. major announcement he made on Twitter and, and everything yep. else. I'm no longer gambling. Is that right, Elliot? That's right. That's, that's correct, Marty. You got that right. I would say to you, why does anybody care whether you gamble or not? Well, because it's – here's the thing, Marty. I, gambling unifies this nation. It unifies it. So when I gamble, it gives maybe somebody else who maybe hasn't tried it yet, it gives them the opportunity to throw down $25. If the Re I'll tell you right now, Marty, if the Reds over-under win total is 77, like you just said, if that's what Vegas has it, I'm going to go to my local bank, I'm going to pull out a loan of $400 million, and I'm going to put it all on the win total. And that will inspire the rest of this city to bet on it as well, and it'll be like a unifying thing. It would inspire the city to bet against that. Maybe, maybe, now, a little bit. Yeah, uh, two, two things. I did not predict that. Let's make sure we understand here. I fangraphs, said that fan graphs analytics, fangraphs. they did. Yes. Okay, and, and now you're contradicting what you wasted my time over a minute <laughs> ago when you said you've given up gambling. Now, are you or are you not still gambling? Yes, I, that is a legitimate question no, because uh, he, he announced this on Monday night. Yesterday, we're sitting in the studio, and we talked about the, the line of the UC Bryant game. And he asked me on the show, Tom, I know you're not a gambler, but if you were a gambler, would you bet the 19? I said, man, that sounds like a lot of points. Now, you would have covered yeah. that bet. And I, I asked Elliot, I said, are, what do you think about that? He said, well, I might have to look into that, which, you know, 
I mean, we were talking roughly 12 hours after the fact that he had given it up and was at least debating jumping back in. Right. Well, I'll, I'll, Did you I'll, make any bet last night? Here's what I'll say. Did here's, you make a bet last here's night? Here's what I'll say. Are you lying? Here's what I'll say. Are you lying? Here's, here's what I'll say. I am retired officially. Now, if I'm doing a little of this and that off the books, maybe, <laughs> but that's a hobby, Marty. That's not my job. That My job was gambling. I retired from that. But well, wait, a, little, well, you were a little of this Elliot. and that on the side, Marty, that's not hurting anybody. Elliot. Yeah. Did you categorize yourself as a professional gambler? Yeah. Yes, I did. I am. I, so you I, made your living gambling. Correct. Yes. Well, that confirms something that I've often thought about since we did this show. And what's that? You are certifiably stupid. <laughs> <laughs> if you categorize yourself as a professional gambler at your young age. Yes. One, it shows me that you're misguided. Secondly, it really shows me to some extent that you're rather lazy. Here's here's what I'll tell you, Marty. Here's what I'll tell you. Here's here's what I'll tell you. Here's Marty, here's what I'll tell you. I will take you, and this is a promise. I will take you into either the Hollywood Casino in Lawrenceburg, or I'll take you to that one downtown that they keep changing the name of. I'll take you to either one hard of those. Hard Rock. Hard Rock. Hard Rock now. Hard I will Rock. I will take you to the you, – you seem like a more fancy guy, so I'll take you to Hard Rock. We'll go to Hard Rock. We'll spend 30 minutes at a blackjack table, and I'm telling you right now, Marty, your life will be changed by witnessing a professional like myself. Yeah, it's not going to change my life because I have a lot of things, but first and foremost – I am very close to my money. Well, and so that's that's you ain't going to change my life. That's smart, Marty. But here's the thing: when, when you watch me gamble, right? And you just kind of alluded to it. I, I wasn't very good at it. Uh, I some would say that you know I, I'm I'm at the table and, and I'm just trying my best to win as much as I can. I, I'm I'm starving for money. I, I'm yearning for money. Now, what I'll tell you is, when you're starving, when you're hungry, and you're at the blackjack table, nobody. Nobody will work harder and try faster to win that money right back than me. Because a hungry dog always runs faster, Marty. The big, the, the, that was the big buildup, right? No, well, that so was... You could, so you I was could ready, deliver I was ready that to end this, already tired line. I was ready to end this bit five minutes ago, but you brought it back. You brought it back. I, I, I'm just playing the part here. Okay, well, I appreciate it. I really do, and I feel like <laughs> you know, I'm a lot wiser as a result of this conversation than I was 30 minutes ago. Okay. Did you listen to Dominic the Donkey yet? That was your homework. Yeah, have you heard that? I have not. I got to tell you, Dominic the Donkey. It, the, it, is, it is unbelievable. You will really like it. You're a Sinatra guy. You know, the, those guys that can really sing. Lumonte. You always used to love that 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 song. They, they played at the Shea Stadium in the seventh inning, uh, you know, or is that where it was? Or No, it was it Milwaukee. I can't remember. No, it was New York, you know, where they get the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, they get all that going, right? This is a Christmas song kind of like that. Dominic the Donkey, written by Sun. Where do I see? You can just Google it. Where do I access it? Just Google it on your computer. All right, I'll. Dominic the Donkey. Believe me, believe me, next Wednesday I will have watched it and I will have Good. dissected it and Good. we will talk about Dominic the Donkey. It is Good. fantastic. It is fantastic. Okay. All right. I take your word, Tom.
All right. I'm telling you, you're really going to like it. I love it. Um, all right. Good enough. Well, uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for the time. And um, and we'll see you next Wednesday with any luck at all. I look forward to it. All Thanks, right. guys. All right. Bye, Marty. See love you. Marty. Take care. See you. See you. you bet. Bye-bye. We got to bring Dominic the donkey back as our, um, as our uh, cherry on top today. Please. We have to do that. Speaking of Christmas songs, Tom. We got we got a little gift in the studio. We got a little gift. A, in, a song? Well, not a song. Just thinking of Christmas spirit. We got a gift from one of our loyal viewers, one of our loyal listeners. Who's Molly. that? Molly. She oh. brought us a little gift. She got us all little little Christmas hats. See, for me, because I'm the Chicago Cubs slappy, I got a Chicago Cubs Christmas hat. Look at that. Thank you, Molly. Thank you so much. Elliot got a Bengals zebra. I got a zebra Bengals hat. How about that? It's, it's personalized. It's 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 it close to the heart. Tom on his side. Well, Casey first. No, 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 no. We got to save Casey for last. Oh, we have to save Casey for last. Because so it's all I about got a the Cubs hat. It's all. Okay. You got a Bengals hat. Zebra stripes. It's themed. I got an Ohio State Buckeyes lid. Look, Look at that. that with the O Look on the that. top. That is big league. I got to tell you. Which way am I doing that? Yeah, looks uh, I'm good. It up. It looks but good. man, that thing is sweet. I'm, I might wear this the entire holiday season. Molly, it's an elite lid. Thank you. It's a great lid, Tom. Tom it's, still it's doesn't a, believe that Molly's real. I don't. I don't. But this hat is real. I can tell you that. This is a big time hat. Thank you. Molly. My son will be wearing this, even though he's an IU guy. He'll be wearing this all over the place. And last but certainly not least, Mr. McAllister. Yeah, my hat. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, why? Why, Molly? I don't we know. We all got sports themed. We all they, got. They all got, got sports themed. I, I got a pair of pants. I think it was a sign <laughs> that I need to start wearing the pants in my relationship. I, I, I don't know. I guess I just need to put on some pants. So that's what I got. <laughs> Molly, I don't keep it. No, no, no. Keep it. Keep it on you. Keep it on you. Molly, I don't know how it's possible. That we all got personally personalized themed things. Ohio State, Cubs, Zebra, Bengals. You gave him a pair of pants. <laughs> she said she was trying to find an FC. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Molly. Thank you so we much, appreciate Molly. it. We, These we are really, really nice. They are they are really nice. Yeah, get the camera back on you for that. It's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> we have I'm not kidding you guys. Kind of we have to tell Tom that Molly is real every day. I don't believe he it. He doesn't believe us. I don't believe it. I, I mean, I appreciate it, Molly, whoever you are. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you being with us in the chat, on the show, every single day. I love these hats. It's so thoughtful. Really thoughtful. Thank you, whoever you are, Molly. Merry whoever Christmas. you are. Merry Christmas, Molly. Thank Merry you so much. Christmas yes. indeed. Merry Christmas to you all. That's Big League hat. Our Big League hat. I love this hat. I keep this in the front. You know, speaking of Ohio State, I, I read something, and, and, and we're not going to spend any time on this, but I, I really find this very interesting. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Uh, just a few minutes ago, came out, the All-American left tackle for Notre Dame is going to sit out of the bowl game, right? Mm -hmm. Projected to be a number one pick. Caleb Williams is not going to play in a bowl game for USC, right? Uh, May, the quarterback at North Carolina, just declared for the draft two days ago. He's not going to play in the bowl game. Right. There are seven players from Ohio State that are projected to be first or second round picks. And this does not include Marvin Harrison Jr. They have seven players 
that are projected to be first or second round picks. All upperclassmen, not seniors. Harrison's not a senior, he's a junior. But all these other guys, whether it's Travion Henderson, whether it's uh, Denzel Burke, whether it's JT Tuamoaloa, whether it's Jack Sawyer, their two defensive ends, whether um, it's uh, Ameka Egbuka, their wide receiver, every single one of them are playing in the bowl game for Ohio State. I think it is so refreshing, and I don't bring it up because I'm an Ohio State fan. But, man, when you have all the guys on your team and the coaches and the fans who are all invested and busted their tail day in and day out the entire year, for those kids to come back and say, you know what, this season we lost to Michigan, we're not in the Final Four, we're playing in some bowl game, the Cotton Bowl, that maybe a lot of people out there don't care about. But they said, you know what, we care about it. And we're going to go out there and play. And I think it's really refreshing to see it. Just means more in Columbus. I, I don't know if more. it does or not. I mean, I, I'm not saying, you know, well, I mean, if actions speak louder than words, then it does mean more. Mm -hmm. Now, none of the final four teams are going to have guys step out. But every other bowl game you look at, every single one of them, guys are dropping like flies. Not playing, not playing, not playing. And I give it up to those guys, man. Because you're running the risk of an injury. Clearly, that's why most guys don't you can't play. Blame them, right. What's that? You can't blame the guys that, that, are, that aren't playing. No, 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 no. Right. Never. But I just think it's quite refreshing in this day and age of NIL, of Transport Portal, of me, 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 I, 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 that you got some guys that have been going at it since July or whatever practice started that are saying, you know what, we got one game left and we're going to be here for the school that gave us a scholarship and have given us a chance to play at the next level. Which brings me to the Marvin Harrison Jr. thing. I was going to say, do you believe the reports about now, this? Now, you know, look, I don't know what to believe or not to believe. There's been no confirmation of this from a reliable source. But there, there are rumors floating around that the NIL people at Ohio State and their athletic director who's retiring, Gene Smith, has never embraced this NIL thing. Now, he's on the way out, and they have not named a successor, and that is the lar by far the largest athletic department from a budget standpoint of any school in the country. You may hate them, you may love them, but it cannot be denied. They are damn good, if not great, in everything. From football to women's hockey to golf to, you know, basketball's had its ups and downs. That's one last area where, bad. you know. Yeah, but, bad. I mean, you start getting into every volleyball, men's and women's. I mean, it, they're just unbelievable at everything. They really are. Women's basketball team. Solid. Head coach is a Hamiltonian. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly, who left Xavier. Yep. Right. So, you know, but, but, but the point I'm making here is, 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 is that there are stories out there. And, and, you know, when you really start now navigating through this whole thing, there are stories out there uh, that there are people saying to Marvin Harrison Jr., who is a junior, he has one year left of eligibility. Most people feel like he would be a top five draft pick this year if he comes out. He was in the final four for the Heisman Trophy. He is... A freak. He's the best receiver that's come out of as far as just the collegiate ranks. He is a more talented guy. It's not to say he'll be that in the pros, but he has more of the entire package than Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson or any number of guys that have come out of college in the last number of years. 
He's the fastest player in college football, and he's 6'4 and weighs over 210 pounds. This guy is a freak, and he's a gamer, and he grew up in a household where his father's a, a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He cares. He's tough. He's everything you want, team guy, in a football player. Everything you want. He's everything you want as a kid, to be honest with you. But there are rumors that he is being offered anywhere from $10 million to $15 million upwards of $20 million to come back and play next season at Ohio State. Now, when you go get chosen in the NFL draft, one of the first things you hear about is, okay, what kind of a signing bonus you get? Well, it would be nothing compared to that. The Ohio State money would blow that money out of the gym at the pro level. Your pro level would be at the rookie entrance level where you're slotted, what your, your salary would be. And you'd have to play eight or nine years on a rookie deal to get upwards of 10 to 15 to $20 million. Of course, as you progress, you go up. And the, the, the big caveat, the big sales pitch to going pro is that you start your clock faster for that big contract after year four. Now, I am not a math major in any form or fashion. I was terrible at math. I'm still terrible at math. But, you know, if you stop and think about it for a second, okay, you run the risk in the NFL of no guaranteed contract. It's not like baseball. You know, you sign a long-term deal, and it's guaranteed money. Now, more and more of those are being structured like that in the NFL. But they're not like that yet. If you stop and think about the amount of money that Marvin Harrison Jr. conceivably, if any of this is true, would make at Ohio State next year. And most people you talk to, unless their family is in a situation where, you know, they got to get to the pros and they got to, you know, all this kind of stuff before NIL. NIL's changed a lot of that. Then, but, but, but Marvin Harrison's family is not in a situation where they're having trouble, you know, paying their rent on an apartment in Philadelphia. That's not the deal. His dad made millions of dollars. The money would be guaranteed for next season if he stays at Ohio State, even if he's injured. He's going to get the 10 or 15 or 20 million dollars. Okay? If he comes out in the pros and he gets hurt the first year, right? He'll make whatever he makes that first year, but all bets are off depending on the severity of an injury. Wouldn't his signing bonus be in the 20 millions? I don't think it would be if, that, that high. It's a fourth or fifth pick. Par Parker Blake said if he's a top three pick, his he signing won't be bonus, a top three pick. His, his signing bonus will be 22.8. If he's a top five, his signing bonus will be 20 plus. 20 plus. So it, you're basically calling it basically a wash, but you're getting the 20 million. And I was, it was leading me to say if you talk to most guys out there, most guys would rather have another year of playing college football just for the enjoyment of it. Most guys that go to the pros, man, people don't understand this. The pro game is a whole different world, man. We sit around here and talk about how well that guy played and how well that guy played. Every move you make, and Harrison's not the kind of guy that would back down to that. But, man, there, there, there are no limits on the amount of time you're expected to be at the facility. There are no limits in, in, in the scrutiny. There are no limits in the pressure. Now, there's pressure playing wide receiver at Ohio State. Right. But he already has his degree. 
I mean, he can show up at some you know, grad school class two days a week and, and just then do anything he wants to to get better. You know, I, it, it's going to be really, really interesting because that's a lot of, it's a lot of money if it's true. I don't think that I, I could be totally wrong. It would be hard for me to fathom that a wide receiver is going to be, in his case, even though he's the best one coming out, depending on a team's needs, Top three, top five, yeah, I would think. He's currently projected at third because normally how people have the mock drafts are quarterback, quarterback, yeah. then Marvin Harrison, yeah. Yeah. which is which is absolutely fair. Listen, I I, I hear all these reports. I, I remember there was reports last year about C.J. Stroud thinking about coming back, and it's not to the degree that have come out about Marvin Harrison. but Well, he waited till the last minute. If you remember, Marvin Harrison did. waited until the day C- before the C-J, draft yeah. to make that decision, the day before you had to declare. It just seems like wishful thinking from Ohio State fans. Might be. And listen, I, I I don't know much about the reports. It just seems like incredibly wishful thinking to think that he's not going to go to the pros and be a top three pick because the NL money is so lucrative in Ohio State. It just seems like wishful thinking to me. If you were if you were the if you were Betfred Sportsbook and you had to put odds, you had to put a we'll say percentage chance that. Marvin Harrison goes to the pros as opposed to staying at Ohio State. Where would you put it, Tom? I, you know, I, I'm not savvy on. I mean, I would certainly think that the odds would favor him going pro. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I'm telling you, man, you you get around a lot of these guys, and it it, it doesn't mean they're not a nut cutter. But but you know, if somebody can pay you 20 million bucks to play one more year of college football, and some of the chatter said, "How's he going to get better, dude?" Go walk around the National Football League. You are not going to find a wide receivers coach in the NFL who's better than Brian Hartline. There isn't one. There's not one better. Ohio State has become wide receiver you. Every time you turn around, these cats are number one picks literally every single year. Alave, Garrett Wilson, uh, Amuka uh, 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 Smith, Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba, and he didn't even play his senior year. Still a number one pick. And now Harrison Jr. So I, I, I think you, to answer that part of it, I think you can get better. But, but I think you're right. I think all things considered, he probably does go pro. Right. Um, but, you know, just the fact that he hasn't done it yet, it does at least make you wonder, is he thinking about it? This would be because everybody else has already decided they're doing it. Right. You, I, I was, I was in favor of college kids being able to use their name, image, and likeness. I was, I was, I was a fan of it. I, I think them not being able to profit off their own accolades, their own name, I think that's nonsense. But if he were to do this, and let's say they offered twenty million dollars, I mean, what, what is college football at that point? I mean, what, what's the state of college football? It's already happening. He's already making at least what I saw. 1.3 million on his NIL deal, um, and, and that that's probably nothing compared to what he's actually making. He's probably making way more. That's just the reported number. But if you're paying a guy 20 million dollars just to come back to school for a year, I mean that's at some point you're just losing you're just losing college football. And maybe it's already lost. Maybe that was the point of NIL. I don't know. But it seems that would be unprecedented. That would that would that would change the it, sport. It is it is crazy to think about. Um... There will be somebody trying to give, if this report's true, and he does come back and plays for $20 million next year, that there was somebody that was willing to give Marvin Harrison 
Jr. $20 million so that they could, like, they're they're already going to win 10 games, right? You could, you could put that in. Yeah. So it's for a better chance to win an extra two games. That's crazy. Well, and look, I don't. I, I, you're right. I, I I don't know if it even makes a difference in extra two games when all of a sudden I don't know. I mean, they don't even know who they're going. Their quarterback's going to be. They're going to be testing two guys out there in the Cotton Bowl, and they're very active in the transfer portal. The one kid decided, by the way, if you didn't see the news from Duke, Riley Leonard, he made the decision last night uh, that he is, uh, as everyone expected, going to Notre Dame. So this is the second year in a row where the best quarterback in the Atlantic Coast Conference is saying, "Adios, I'm out of here." Uh, and I am going to Notre Dame. It was Sam Hartman from Wake Forest last year. It is Riley Leonard this year. Um, what, is it Evan Pryor? Is that the name that's breaking across right now? Former five-star recruit running back at Ohio State who's been injured his first two years there, has just decided today he's transferring to UC. Really? I, didn't I just saw that. Yeah, yeah. 30, as of 20 minutes ago. Scott! Yeah. Yep. Satterfield! Big Sat. Get, get Satterfield. This was a guy that everybody, you know, when he signed the there, he signed the same year as Travion Henderson, and everybody wondered who was going to be the guy. Well, Henderson wound up being a guy. Pryor's been hurt a lot, but when he's been healthy and practiced, a lot of people think this guy's got a chance to be a great player. You put him in the same backfield with Corey Kleiner next year now, you got a pretty thing, good thing going there. Yeah, especially, I mean, they already they were already, well, top 10 in the country in rushing, so they'd be elite. Yep. They'd be now they'd have to fix everything else, including the quarterback. But all right, let's take a uh, break and uh, for ads and uh, lots to talk about on the other side. We got the Bengals. We got uh, Reed's top five. Casey Stinkless. Buy or sell. Buy or sell. Buy or sell. Do we have any letters today? No, we do not. No letters today. Okay, yeah, they, Casey, they take it away. All right. Well. The future Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. productivity. The path to innovation begins here. Visit Encore.tech. And then I've got this lovely bottle of water right here. Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration. Unlike the artificial processing that other brands use, the result is a healthy alkaline water. Some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. See where you can buy this great tasting water. And uh, on that note, fellas... Just to wrap up, put a little bow on that whole uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. story, whatnot. Yeah. I know, I know, you all were talking about how there's just like no chance whatsoever. I mean, there's reports of him saying like he would love to go back. Like it's not out of the question that, like when when it's different when a player kind of like avoids the answering the question, and then the player actually answers it and says, "Yeah, I'm considering going back." Like, it it seems it just seems like in, until the precedent has been set, which this could be the instance where the precedent is set, um, it, it's really hard for me to comprehend that happening. And I and get it. I, I get the reports, and Tom brought up C.J. Stroud last year. But like, like I said, until the precedent is set, it's hard for me to comprehend that he's going to turn down being the third overall. Top, he's going to be a top-five pick. Uh, at, the Do most, at the highest, he'll be a third. At the lowest, he'll be a fifth. So he's going to make $20 million on top of his year-to-year contract in the NFL. And on top of that, he's going to be one year closer to getting that second contract. 
So all those things considered, uh, it, it's just really hard for me to comprehend. That's fair too. To I didn't, I didn't even it, think about the second contract thing. Like, yes, you, that's you the big worry thing. About your it, gets, age. It, it starts the clock earlier, and then on top of that, it's it's so hard for me to for me to comprehend that there's people out there. Like I said, like I, I don't know what Ohio State's um, schedule is next year, but I mean they'll play two games that they might lose, maybe three. So you're telling me that you're going to pay twenty million dollars for a guy for a wide, not even a quarterback, a wide receiver, so that you can win two extra, like two more games. Like you're paying the guy ten million dollars a game. Like think about it. Like the only games on, on their schedule, and I, I think they play Washington, they play Oregon, and they play Penn State, and they play. Um, Michigan. Other than that, they don't yeah, play bad, like they don't play schedule. like UCLA or anything like that. It's a, it's, a bad, it's a tougher schedule than it was this year, but it's just it's just really it it's really hard for me to comprehend paying a paying a kid twenty million dollars to play wide receiver in college when it only will affect maybe two games. So, I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible to get him to stay, but it's I fun mean, debating it. It is fun. It is fun. Well, besides that, since we're getting into the second half of this the show, the second uh, the second hour, what about Zach Taylor yesterday? What I mean, what that that was kind of wild for him to be like, drink another beer. We need you to be kind of blackout drunk, screaming, being crazy wild fans. I mean, I'm all for it because I am a crazy fan, and I'll be there. I'll be at the game. This is the first game I'll be at in the stadium amongst the. The, the normal folk, not with the highfalutin crowd in the, in the box seats. But, Wait a minute, uh, have you sat in a box this season, yes or no? Yeah, with Betfred. Uh, that's all I want to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Just, be careful now. Okay, go ahead. Me and Casey but, would rather, yeah, we, rather be in the crowd. Yeah, I think it's a way different experience in the boxes. Like it's, the box. it's not as fun. It's not as uh, exhilarating. You don't get the, 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 the energy that you get when you're down in the lower bowl. Which is where I'll be. I'll be. Uh, I'll be on the um, the river side. I guess that's the the, the south side. The and I want to clarify something that you said that Zach Taylor said. He didn't want people blacking out at the stadium. Oh, he, he basically them asked to that. Dress in black at the stadium. He basically asked his fans to, have to get blackout drunk. One more beer. He one didn't more say beer. blackout drunk. Well, listen, Tom. The, the, in a world he said, I mean, "Have one more beer." Yeah, but he already knows everybody's drunk. So when you <laughs> tell him to have one more beer to your additional drunk, he wants you to be a little. Uh, be, what would happen if you told out. your kids going to the game, "Go have one more extra beer here today"? What would happen if you did that? They'd be drunk. <laughs> They'd be drunk. Yeah. Listen, who's if, who's picking up the tab for the people to get home by encouraging that? Oh, what a take. So you're against this. I'm just saying. I'm just asking a question. I mean, if you take things, I don't want to be like some party. Most of them. I think it's kind of funny. I think it's kind of cute. But at the end of the day, if you put it in an entirely different context, what would people's reaction be if you said to your kids, even if they're legal drinking age, hey, go have one more. Oh, and by the way, did you drive to get down there? Did everybody drive to get down there, or are we all taking Ubers? Well, much like we do here on, on, on our shows. I don't want to be a party pooper, we do. but if when you put it into a different there. context, it takes on a different meaning. Well, this is, like, the, this is the behavior that Zach Taylor just uh, inspired. Drew Garrison, $5 Super Chat. I will be blacking out at the stadium <laughs> and blacking out in the stadium. 
So Drew's not going to really see that football game. Listen, if if Zach Taylor wants me, like, listen, we're all we're all soldiers here. We're all here to do our parts. If That's Zach right. Taylor wants me drunk for the Bengals game, then Willie, who am I going to tell the coach no? Right? I, I just do my do my due diligence. I do my duty. But Tom, I, I always I always dislike these these arguments that people make about what about how they're going to get home. I remember last year when the the MLB with their new rules, the game had shortened. And there was that one relief pitcher that was talking about, like, what happened to the, the – Yep, yeah, I remember the that. The responsibility. These guys need to get home. It's like, yep. what? Like, the the team's job isn't to get you home, right? Like, like it's <laughs> – where is personal responsibility there? Get your – like, figure out how you're going to safely do it, right? Right? Get, get a DD, take an Uber, something like that. It's right. not the team's responsibility to get you and tuck you into bed at night. No, it's not. That's yeah. a fact. So I, it, I, I've always hated that. I mean, like bars, that their whole business is to sell you alcohol. Now, they do have to stop serving you if, if, you're, yeah. if you're falling over the place. But they don't make you sit in a tank in a room for 30 minutes after you had your last beer like you just ate before you dive into the pool. Yep. And they don't make you sit – hey, can you sit over in this corner for 30 minutes before you, before you leave? Like, there's personal responsibilities. So I I've will bet you money. Arguments. I'll bet you money that Zach Taylor clarifies those comments today or tomorrow. Yep. I bet I you – I will bet you money. I don't think it's he does, he, he's going to I'm do... not saying he should either. I'm not saying he should. I know and I take it because I love drinking beer and having a beer at a tailgate and having a beer at a football game. I get it. Believe me. No one's gotten more tanked up in their life more than I have. But I'm just saying, in the world we live in now, there are enough freaks out there that are going to go crazy over his thing that I guarantee you somebody with the organization is going to say to him, hey, you know, Zach, you might want to clarify that. Well, listen, just like we do sometimes forget on this show to clarify. That's right. Uh, bet responsibly, call 1-800-GAMBLER if you got a problem. I'm yeah. sure Zach, you know, he's not actually wanting us to get blackout drunk, but – as a crazy fan that will twist and interpret things in his own way, and the fact that we're all wearing black for our jerseys, I think there was some, uh, some, some little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, I get a little loud today, sort of feeling. Listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with what Zach Taylor said, yeah, and, and, and maybe you so guys either. are right about him. He's gonna he's gonna step back and clarify those comments, but. To telling people to drink an extra beer before they go in the stadium, there's absolutely nothing. No, there's wrong. nothing. I agree. I agree. Right. Jolly, jolly Sam drinking Red Bull and vodka is it, it not true? No, beer drinker. You know that, Jolly Jolly. You know that. You know that. You don't well, dip into the bourbon at all. Every now and again, I'll dip in. I like stepping out a little bit, a little bourbon. Every now and again, I love having a little bit of gin. That's like, old school. Like Gin's gin. old school. I like gin. That's old school. Yeah. That's still good. You like you like eggnog. You, we asked your Not an eggnog you. guy. You guys? I love eggnog. It's disgusting. I love, I love it. Okay. Casey? Uh, no, not, not an eggnog guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an eggnog <laughs> guy. <laughs> We got to get Jim Day on the show and do his impersonation of Jerry Naren. I tried to talk him into years. So Jerry Naren, for many, many years, the former manager of the Reds, and then he left, he had a really, really good friend who was the flight attendant on all of the Reds' charter flights. And they stayed very good friends, years and years, stayed in contact with each other. And uh, we're sitting in the back of the plane, and I'm sitting next to Jim, and the lady comes over and says, you know, Jerry has, he, he, he talks all the time about this impersonation you're doing of him. And Jim Day has got it down. I mean, down to a T. 
And I used to try to chalk Jim Day all the time when Jerry and Aaron would come in as the bench coach for the Diamondbacks. I would say, listen, set up an interview where you interview Jerry Naren as Jerry Naren. I said, it would be great television. He never asked him to do it. That's good TV. It is good what TV. would you rather hear about? Would you rather see that when you're watching a pregame show in July, summer day, it's hot out, you come in to watch a game at night, right? Maybe a little cookout. Would you rather watch that or have somebody tell you about Launch angle. <laughs> you know what I'd rather have? I'd rather have launch angle. Every I'd home run now, we got to put it up. Exit velo and launch angle. We don't want to see the guy run around the field, touch home, jump up and down, celebrate with his teammates the, or the fans. The second the ball goes over the fence on every Reds game now, we get exit velo and launch angle. Exit velo is fun. You, but why can't you give it after the guy gets done celebrating That's fair. in the dugout? That's fair. Why do you have to do it the second it lands in the stands in right center field and the guy's running around and the crowd's going crazy? Maybe you just – now, look, it's a 10-2 to 2 game. Okay. But if you just hit a bomb in the last of the eighth at home to go from 3-2 down to up 4-3 or 5-3, why am I looking at launch angle and exit velo? Why am I looking at that? Seriously, that's bad television. It's bad TV. I've told the story a thousand times. In my years at Fox, we'd have our baseball seminar every year. And Fox had a research division, an entirely separate company, that they would spend all year long Sitting down with football fans, then a different group of baseball fans, then a different group of NASCAR, then a different group of college basketball, whatever it is Fox had. FS1, Fox, all that stuff. And in the baseball thing, they would give them items 1 to 30 of what's the most important thing when you're watching a baseball game. What's number one priority? Score. What's number two? What's number three? All the way down, the least would be number 30. In the last four years, we had those seminars. Analytic numbers never got higher than 27th on what a viewer wants at home. Now, if you want to structure your teammate around your, your team around analytics, so be it. When the guy at home is sitting there watching, do you think anybody wants to see that on the screen? On a three-run bomb in the last of the eighth, at home, sellout crowd against the Cubbies. And I mean, De La Cruz is hitting first base. What do we see? Exit velo! Launch angle! What about barrel percentage? I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen that one? That I one's a big one at JVP. It's the percent of balls you hit on the barrel of the bat. Well, I mean, I know what that is. I just haven't seen it. It seems like every, every team, not just the Reds, it seems like every team, and maybe it was a Bally's kind of edict, that every single time a home run is hit, that's the first thing you see on the screen when it lands in the stands. Yeah. You probably like it, though, Reed. That's not I true, I mean, you Tom. probably like it, Reed. That's not true, You probably Tom. do. I do you know, like... I do like when a, when a exit velo is really Tom, high. 
do like it. Yeah, Tom, the, I'll try to be on the opposite side of this. I want to know how badly he just crushed that ball, right? That's fair. I, I want no to just see how that bad. At all. If you, and, and, and I agree with you. But there. not right away. I'm saying, in the Reds' case, they did this little thing last year, right, where they had the Viking helmet going. They say they're going to do it again this year. Okay, yeah. And that was really cool. If people want to see that on television, that's fine. No problem. But when they're done with that, when the next batter comes up to the plate, ball one outside. Take the shot of Casey McAllister, who just hit the hit the ball in the seats, and then you want to put it up there. Ooh. Launch angle, whatever. I like this. Exit velo, one eleven. Move on. I just don't have to see it the moment the ball leaves the yard. Is that fair? I guess that's fair. Yeah, that's I guess fair. that's fair. Yeah. Reed loves it. <laughs> that's not true. Reed loves it. That's not true. You do. You love it. You love it. You just said you love it. I like exit velo. I don't care about launch angle. Mm-hmm. Tom, I, my favorite segment you ever did with Jim Day was when you interviewed that bird, and oh, then Jim God. Day was the voice. Can we? Can that be the cherry on top today? No. Yes. I, is, Casey, I'm going to send tired. you that. Tired. I was tired, and that is tired. <laughs> can you take us? How did that come about? Like it was a day, just a long day, and there was this bird that was sitting right there, right there in front of me. For the whole game. It was almost like it had lost its mate, its husband or wife. And it was just sad because normally we would see these two birds, and I don't know if it's one of the two of those birds, that would sit on one of those wires, those lines that come down that hold up the backstop. And they, they would sit there. Sometimes they would make a nest right there below our booth. And we would always make sure that, you know, that that they were okay. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, the, 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 this guy or gal's by him or herself. And it was sort of sad. And you're referring to the bird. The bird. The bird. I like that segment. So we that, had was long... my, that was my favorite segment. That so was did the, the producers team... come over the headset and be like, hey, there's this bird here? No, no, no. Jim I just Day's, started Jim that Day's in our own. Be... No, no. Jim, Jim, Jim loved that stuff. He loved that sort of shtick. It was a blowout game. It was late in a day game, if I think right. Yeah, I, think it was it was, I think it was an afternoon game. And, uh, but, 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 but you know, that's a case in point. I know we're kidding around, but that's what I'm talking about. That's the sort of stuff that people remember. Yep. Right. I mean, I might've called the, 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 the Derek Jeter play, right. Which is played everywhere. Right. I'll have as many people bring up the bird. <laughs> <laughs> it's so disheartening as play by play guy. You'll bring up as many, many people bring up the bird as they do the, you know, the pools home run in the league championship series. Against Houston. I mean, that's the stuff. So that's what I'm talking about. Nobody is going to remember the next day. If you have the choice when the ball lands in the stands after a home run, if your choices as a producer, and really this is more on the director, unless the producer has been told every time there's a home run, put up the exit below and the launch angle. People would much rather see, and the thing they'll be talking about the next day is not the exit velocity on the home run, okay? They'll talk about in order this. If these are your options, and picture this for a second, okay? The scenario I said, bomb to right field, last of the eighth inning, great American ballpark, you go from 3-2 down to 4-3-5-3 up. Okay, the second the ball lands in the stands, your options are exit below, launch angle, or... 
we just start bopping around the ballpark looking for that shot of that one little kid or that one guy who's standing there with his shirt off that night, right? <laughs> yeah. Or the mom and son just going crazy, hugging each other, along with the players in the dugout, the fans, the guy touching home plate, the high fives, the choreographed stuff they got going on seemingly all the time with every team. So if those are your two choices, exit below, launch angle, or all of that scenario, and let's say it's just the one little kid who gives you this magical reaction. What are people going to remember the next day? And when they're around the water cooler talking about the Reds home run and the last of the eighth by Ellie De La Cruz, they're going to talk about the home run. And man, did you see that little kid? How do you remember going to say, oh man, I got to tell you, brother, we're at breaking launch angle now. Hey, <laughs> that's a big league stuff. What do you think? I think what I'm going to do now, Tom, now that you've you've expressed your your interest in launch angle, after every game next season, I'm going to come on the show with the launch angle of every home run that is hit, <laughs> and we will have that segment. I like this now. <laughs> and we will and we will we will dedicate a five minute segment each show to launch angle. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Of course, being uh, uh, be jolly jolly being uh, the, the the prodder that he is and Ada, uh, he, he says I want to know it was a 104 degree launch angle okay well again you have a chance to do that in in, in a matter of like 20 seconds after he comes into the dugout mm -hmm. right you don't have the chance to get the reaction of the kid yep you don't have to get the, the, the chance to get the reaction of any number of things that might be going the fireworks wh whatever it might be anyway I digress all right, where are we going next here, boys? Let's jump right into buy or sell. Buy or sell, here we go. Let's sell. hear it. Let's hear it, Casey. Buy, buy, buy. Sell, sell, sell. Is that Jim Cramer? Yes, it is. Does he have that patented? We're not getting any trouble with that? We'll find out later. <laughs> okay. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Tom, do you get your stock advice from Jim Cramer? Uh, no, I do not. All right. Go ahead. <sighs> Sorry, I had to take a drink of Pawnee water. No problem. Uh, all right, buy or sell. Got a couple buy or sells. Here we no go. Couple weeks left into the NFL season. I don't believe we've done this for a few weeks now. So we'll start it on off in that we'll keep it in the division. Joe Flacco will lead the Browns to the playoffs. They're currently in a playoff spot. He's looked damn good for the past two weeks. Joe Flacco will lead the Browns to the playoffs. Buy or sell, Tom? Yeah, this is a no brainer. Buy, buy, buy. Hit it, buy, Casey. Buy, buy. Go ahead. Next up. I'm going to buy it as well. Joe Flacco's looked damn good. Buy, buy, I, buy. I think. Reed was a little hard on him his, his first week back. He looked bad in the second half of that game. And, well, he hadn't known the playbook. He didn't know the players. He came off a plane, and he was starting the game. Yeah. So, Joe Flacco Joe Flacco's all the way back. He will lead them to a postseason. I still think they might win a game. I'm not as confident as I was when they had Deshaun Watson. But uh, I think the passing offense is now way better than it was with Deshaun Watson. So, there's that. I do think there's an issue with the running game. But the defense is elite as always. So. All right, can I ask you one question before we go just to clarify something? Yeah. yeah. Okay, you had made the comment, as we talked about when Deshaun Watson was still there, that they were going so. to win two playoff games. Mm -hmm. sure. Okay, since yeah. he has gone down, you have clarified, and, and, and we can live with this, you have clarified that you think they will win one playoff game. Yes. Okay, so if they win two, are you going to pat yourself on the back? Yes. You reneged on that. Yes. I will pat myself on the back, but I want it on the record that if they don't win it, it's negated because Deshaun Watson's not there. 
So it's a win-win. It's a win-win for it's me. It's a win-win. Fair enough. Just I think that's fair. Just wanted to double check. I, li- I just like, want to take my victory lap. like to know what's coming. Well, he won't get that opportunity because I am selling this wow. one. They have sell, an 85% sell, sell. chance to make the postseason right now. They'd have to fall off the wagon to do it, but I think that's exactly what they do. I think they'll only win one game for the rest of the year. Listen, the Browns are going to brown. I mean, you, 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 we talk about how you can't look at last year, you can't look at the years before, but that's history. And that gives that gives my uh, my opinions their their credence, and the Browns will always brown themselves. So I'm selling; they will not make it to the postseason. So you're saying the Browns, Eight their five. final four games, yep, are against the Bears this weekend at home. Yep, they go on the road to the Texans. Mm-hmm. They come one. home against the New York Football Jets, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then they play the Bengalis here. Yep, it will be the final week of the year. Will be winner take all. Winner makes the postseason. Bengals versus be Browns, and give me Jake the Snake Brown. That would be fun. Okay, Casey. Yeah, we talked about that final week being the possible, the possibility of it being a winner take all situation. I agree with you, Reed. I don't think that Joe Flacco can lead this team to the playoffs. I think there's a reason he's been out of the league for this long. I think. You look at the teams that uh, they lost to, and then you look at the team that they beat. Jaguars also lost to a backup quarterback in Jake Browning, 31-34. So, I I don't know. I just I don't have a whole lot of faith in, in that Browns offense. I think it's a little bit fraudy. So, sell, sell, sell. Nice. Wow. Yeah. All right. So. Let's keep it in the AFC, Tom. Let's keep it in the AFC for the second one. Okay. Listen, we, we talk about history. We talk about things that have happened in the past. And the only thing we've ever seen from Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs is them making the AFC championship game or better. Buy or sell, the Kansas City Chiefs will not make the AFC championship. Am I first again or are we going to yeah. bounce around a little bit? Well, well I'll sell it. Well, I'll All sell right, Ellie, you go ahead. So Kansas City Chiefs will not make the AFC Championship game. Yes. I'm going to buy it. Buy, buy, buy. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs don't look like themselves. The offense, again, Reed's going to bring up this, the fact that they're top 10 in offense. If you watch the games, you can see that it's just not mm, right. Eye test. You love the eye test. I hate the eye test, but I'm, I'm looking at their, their box scores. They, they score 17 points a game every game. So I think, listen, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the best. Saying that... Their receivers have dropped like 37 balls this mm-hmm. year. 37. They rank number one. They rank number one in drop passes. Travis Kelsey, again, uh, I don't want to bash him, but it seems like he's had a lackluster season. Their defense has been very good. Very, very, very good. And when you get to the postseason, having a good defense is is, is maybe the most important thing. Maybe. But saying that, there's something not right with the offense. Pacheco's hurt. Uh, we'll see if they can fix it with Clyde Edwards-Elair. Pacheco, I should, he should be back in a couple weeks. But – no, I don't, I don't think they're good enough to make it to the AFC Championship game. I don't think they're going to. Now, you have said multiple times that the AFC is wide open. It is. It's wide open. So and they could. The they is, could. Yeah, is because Kansas City doesn't look like they used to. But can't they also benefit from that same – like in, in, a, in sure. a league, in a conference where sure. every quarterback's hurt, they've got the best quarterback in the league, and he's healthy. So – Sure, and, that, and that's a fair point. I'm just looking at it right now, and I think it's about who's 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 going to get hot right before the postseason. I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs They're are going to be that the team. Wrong way. They're turning the wrong way. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm selling. Okay. I will 
Well, you're buying. I am selling buying, because buying. they will sell, make sell, sell. AFC Championship game because that's all they've ever done. Listen, I, I talk all the time about coaches and, and quarterbacks, and they've got the best of each in the league. Um, they've now got a top five defense. They're going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. I mean, yeah, there's something wrong there, but they're going to be just fine, and they'll make the AFC Championship game once again. Casey? Yeah, I'm going to sell, sell, sell. sell this because uh, I do think that the Kansas City Chiefs what we've seen from uh, the history of, of this team is that they just make it. And um, I think this will just be another thing that Patrick Mahomes adds to his list of growing accomplishments that he was able to get to the AFC Championship game on the road. So, and what, that's still not even a guarantee either. He could win the that wild card weekend and still get the home playoff games. Like, right. That's how wide open the AFC is already. So, right. yeah, um, I'm going to sell that. Tom, yeah. buying or selling? You know, uh, just sitting here and looking through some of the stuff while you guys were deciding, I was originally buying. I don't think they're going to make it. But as I sit here and I look at some of this stuff and I say to myself, okay, right now they're the three seed. They're only one game ahead of uh, Denver yep. for the division lead. Yep. Both teams' schedules almost mirror one another. They've got the Raiders. they got the Patriots. they got the Chargers. Each of them. The one good team Kansas City plays, the Bengals. The one good team Denver plays, and I don't know how good they are, Denver. I mean, Detroit. They play this weekend. So, that's on Saturday night, by the way. It's a big game for Bengal fans to watch. But I just sit there and I say to myself, okay, let's just assume for a second that Kansas City, because they, they, they win all the tie breaks. They split in the head-to-head -head with Denver this year, but their division record would be better. Their conference record would be better. And so... Even if they tied, Kansas City would still be more than likely the number three seed mm -hmm. in the AFC. So that means, right, they'd have their first game at home against, you know, say the Bengals or the Texans or somebody, Cleveland, somebody like that. Okay, if they win that game. Well, if they win that game, do I think they can go to Baltimore and win? I do not. Do I think they could go to Miami and win? Or, or let's say there's an upset and Cleveland beats Miami. I'm just picking a matchup right. randomly. Then Kansas City would get that game at home. Mm -hmm. So I, I was going to originally buy it. Now I'm selling it. I think they make the championship game. Yep, they've done it. Hit it. They, they, sell. Sell, sell, sell. Okay. Um, for what it's worth, the Kansas City Chiefs have a 92% chance to win their division. Um, in contrast, the Baltimore Ravens have a lower perceived chance to win the AFC North than the Chiefs do to win the West. 87% chance for Isn't the Isn't that interesting? North. I mean, could somebody explain that one to me? Because right now, it's Kansas the, City has a one-game lead, okay? A right. one-game lead over... This is shocking to me. They have a one-game lead over the second-place team. Baltimore has a two-game lead over the second-place team. Mm -hmm. And when you start looking at conference record, division record, all those kinds of things... Um, Baltimore is going to have the tie break in all those. Yeah, they're currently tied right now with the with yeah. the Cleveland Browns. So I think if if they end up tying overall, I think the Browns would get that that tiebreaker. So I mean, they're both saying that they need to overcome a two game deficit because the because the Broncos can't tie with the Chiefs and still win. They'd have to overtake them. So even though they're one game back, they really have to go two games over. Um, same with the Browns, and they're just saying that the Browns. Yeah, I, I'm surprised by that. Anyway, okay. 
All right, uh, we'll keep it rolling. We'll keep it rolling, and we'll keep it in the AFC because I like AFC questions. I think the AFC is a lot more interesting than the NFC this year, just because of all the injuries and all the different players, uh, all the teams that are involved. Yeah. Um, the this is, I mean, maybe just the easiest question that I'll ask today. But Ravens are the best team in the AFC. You know, you we, we talked about the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about the the Miami Dolphins, and then you could throw in other teams like uh, like the Browns, like the Bills, all these other teams, but. It, it's becoming abundantly clear, and you think, Tom, that they're the best team in the NFL, if I believe. So I'll start this off, and yeah, I mean, it's it, it's buying. You know, everyone talks about the, the Miami Dolphins because they won a game 70 to 20. I mean, what are we talking about? They, they've beaten one team, one team with over a 500 record. And I, I'll tell you right now, guys, about the Miami Dolphins. If they lose this week, they might be in some trouble to make the postseason in general because look at their last three games of the year. They might lose every single one of those games. They might go nine and eight. So yeah, I'm gonna buy this. Easiest easiest question I'll ask is the Ravens are better. In the best buy, team buy, buy. There we go. I am going to buy as well. I think the Ravens are by far the best team in the AFC at this very moment. Kansas City Chiefs. I was I was high on them. I was high on the Miami Dolphins. God, I was high on them until they uh, unfortunately blew a 14 point lead in the span of two minutes to the Tennessee Titans. Couldn't imagine but the Titans. I couldn't imagine it either. Especially yeah, the, I couldn't even imagine it. That was um, sad. It is sad. I think the Ravens are by far the most complete team as of this moment. I think they look better. I know I made the joke that uh, maybe it wasn't a joke that the receivers were dropping passes. I think Zay Flowers has been unbelievable. And they've lost Mark Andrews, too. They're doing this without Mark Andrews now. I, I think Odell Beckham's okay. I don't think he's a great wide receiver. But I certainly think he's capable of catching big passes <coughs> and big moments. The Ravens, right now, as of this second, are a top three team in the NFL. And I think they're the best team in the AFC by far. Um, do I think they're the best team in the AFC? No, but I do think they're the most consistent team. And I think that makes them the best team currently. Okay. Who do you think is better? If I had to, to, to pick a team who I think is better, I think it's probably Miami, but they're not consistent at all. They're so up and down. They can't beat a team that mad, that, you know, is above 500. I think Kansas City, I think they too could probably be better than the Ravens. But like I said, the Ravens are the most consistent team probably in the NFL, which makes them the best team in the AFC. So I guess in that roundabout way, I am saying the Ravens are the best team in the AFC, but I don't think they're the most talented. I do think that's fair because I think the ceiling of the Chiefs, obviously, the ceiling of the Chiefs is as high as it can go. I do think the ceiling of the Dolphins is, high, is, is as high as it can go. Right. I don't think the ceiling of the Ravens is as high as those two teams as of this second. Right. Saying that, I do think they're the best team in the AFC by a wide margin because of what you just said, because of the consistency, because they're the most complete team all around right now. Tom? Well, perhaps. I mean, look, to me, there's no doubt. Adam, number one, that's a buy all the way. They're the best team. I just sit here and I say to myself, hit it, Casey. I just sit there and, and, and listen to you guys and your thoughts about it, and, and, and it makes me wonder. If you had to pick an offense throughout the entire game, the ability to run, the ability to throw, all of those things. We've seen Miami put up 70. We've seen the Chiefs through the years. We haven't seen it this year. I mean, we have not seen it. They're averaging now nine points fewer per game than they did this time a year ago. And then you look at Baltimore. If you had to have a team that got 10 possessions in a game, 
Are you taking Kansas City's offense ahead of Baltimore to go score your points? Right now, the way they're constructed, you're going to take Miami's team right now, the way they're constructed. And what, and what they've done against – let me just finish real quick. And what they've done against teams that were good that they played, Reed pointed out a second ago, they've only beaten one team all year long with a plus 500 record. If you had to go to the post tomorrow, and I'm talking about the way it's set up, let's say that game is in, in a cold-weather town. You're playing in Kansas City. You're playing in Baltimore. You're playing in Cincinnati. Now, Miami, a little bit different. But if you had to take one offense to go to the post – Head coach, coordinator, all of it. You taking Miami or Kansas City ahead of Baltimore's offense and Lamar Jackson right now? Yeah, I don't. I don't think. What What are you trying to ask? Are they trying to get down there within two saying, minutes, or are they about, like? He, is it a four he, minute? He talked about ceiling. Their ceiling. Okay, Baltimore's is is maybe not as high as Miami, but you were saying consistency is what they are. What yeah. I'm saying is, is if you had to win a game tomorrow. You had to win the AFC championship game tomorrow. Would you rather have Kansas City on offense, Miami on offense, or Baltimore on offense? Like I said, I, I would I would want consistency. So you take in, the, in that in that case, yeah, I would take Baltimore. Okay. Like, Baltimore I, like I said, I think I think Baltimore is the best team because of consistency. But I don't think they're the most talented. So that wasn't the question, though. The question was, are they the best team in the AFC right now? So, yes, I, I'm buying that. Okay. But I don't think they're the most talented. Under that scenario. The Ravens have scored 30-plus points six of their last seven games. Uh, I would take the Ravens' offense as of this very second. Because most people off the top of their head would say Miami. You got all the sex appeal. And I you think got Miami Tua would be second. And you got Tyreek yeah. and you got all this. I, Miami would be second for me and then, and then Kansas City in third. Okay. Yeah, I'm taking – I would take – Baltimore, Kansas City, Miami third. Okay. All right. Interesting debate. Okay. What else we got next? The we, final question I've final got Final one. Here we go. And we do have a mailbag. I found one, by the way. I'm Ooh. really glad. Good. I'm Ooh. very glad. It's been a while. You checked the, you checked the, the old I checked desk? the mail. I went outside and checked the mailbox. That's right. Thank That's you. That's right. Final question. I think this is a, is a fun thing that I've, I've asked before in this buy or sell segment, and I'll, I'll continue to ask as long as we do this segment. The NFC is better than the AFC. Buying or selling? Elliot, we'll start with you. Do you hmm. think the NFC are you buying that the NFC is better than the AFC? Hmm. I think the top of the I think that see, and, and we had this debate yesterday, and, and this is a good debate. The the top of the NFC is better than the top of the AFC. Saying that there are more good teams in the AFC than there are in the NFC. I don't know how you want to calculate that. I don't know what metric you want to use. I'm going to say the Super Bowl champion will come out of the NFC, so I'll say the NFC is better than the AFC. Because I think the top is – I'm, I'm going to buy. I think the top is significantly better than the top of the AFC. But it's close. It's very, very close. I think if you guys know me, I think you know where I'm going to go with this one. I'm, I'm selling this. Listen, I know, I know that the 49ers are probably the best team in the league. I know that the Eagles are, are a solid team, and I know the Cowboys have been blowing the doors off of everybody. But if you look at the entire conference, you look at this entire conference, there's a chance that the NFC, it's not likely. I mentioned this on the show yesterday. It's not likely, but there's a chance that the NFC has two wild card teams, wild card teams, get into the postseason with a losing record. There's a chance that the NFC has three teams make the postseason 
with a losing record. And that doesn't take away from what the 49ers are, what the Eagles are, and what the Cowboys are. But if it's the entire conference, it's not close. And if you want to talk about the top of those, the conference, listen, I said this yesterday. The Dallas Cowboys, who are tied for the best record in the NFC, 10-3, and three, are going into the AFC team currently ranked 11th, seeded 11th, four spots out of the playoffs, and they are underdogs. If you look at the, the records, AFC record against NFC teams, only three teams in the AFC have a losing record against NFC teams. So I, I, I think all things considered, it's not even really all that close. I think the 49ers are the best team in the league. But behind that, like, I don't know. I, I just think the AFC is much, much better. So I am selling this. I do not think the NFC is better than the AFC. Would you, right. say, would you say the AFC is the Big Ten of the NFL? Or the NFC is the Big Ten? No, it would be so the NFC would be the SEC, AFC would be No, you had it right the first time. Yeah, big time. I would say the AFC is the SEC. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Casey. Uh, NFC is better than the AFC. Yes. Uh, the NFC No, I'm sorry. The AFC is way better than the NFC, hands down. Nice. Way better. Way nice. better. Okay. Way better? Way better. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you just it, – it's, it's simple football math, guys. I mean, just look at the records. And the fact that there is a 6-7 and seven team that currently holds a division spot and that there's two other teams in the wild card that hold a, a, a playoff spot that are below 500 is all you need to know. It's all you need to know. It's okay. all you need to look at. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm looking at the numbers, okay? And I'm saying to myself here, all right, the number – Four spot, or the number three spot in the AFC belongs to the Kansas City Chiefs. The number three spot in the NFC belongs to the Detroit Lions. I think we all agree you'd bet on Kansas City in that game, though not a slam dunk. Where it starts to get interesting is now when you go after that. The number four seed is Jacksonville. The number four seed in the NFC is Tampa Bay. Okay, under 500. But when you start talking about seven and six versus six and seven, which is really the meat of this whole thing in right. both con in both conferences, okay? What the hell is a different seven and six, six and seven? I mean, we're not talking about some world beater because you're seven and six, and you stink because you're six and seven. Okay, it's one game. One game over 13, 14 games played so far. So when you, you look at when you look at the brat the, the the and I'm gonna take the Browns out because they're eight and five. I'm doing the six and seven and seven and six thing here. The Pittsburgh Steelers are terrible. They are the number six seed right now in the AFC playoffs. They flat out stink. Tough the stuff. Indianapolis Colts we just saw last week. Does anybody in their right mind think that's a playoff team? I mean, come on. Come on. They're in a lightweight division. Then you have the Texans. Okay? Good. Good story. Good quarterback. But you got Denver. Okay, now you get into the Bengals and the Bills at 10 and 11. You're going, oh, now that's pretty big. But, but the bottom line is neither one of those teams would make the playoffs right now. You go over. Do I really believe what I'm saying in a long-winded way? The Steelers. The Broncos. Um, the... Uh, the, the, the Texans. I mean, do, are they really any better than Minnesota? 
Are they really any better than Green Bay or the Rams? I mean, the Rams just took just took Baltimore to overtime over the weekend in Baltimore, right? So, I mean, I, you know, I want to say the AFC is better because I think when you get down to, you know, the 10 and 11, for example, in the NFC are the Bengals and the Bills. The 10 right. and 11 in the NFC are the Falcons and the Saints. Yeah, no contest. Not, not close. Yeah. But I don't think it's a – I don't think it's a – like many of us thought it would be at the beginning of the season. Well, we injuries. thought the Bengals were going to be great. The Bills were going to be great. The Jaguars were going to be great. The Chiefs then were going to be great. None the, of those the, teams are The great. question doesn't need to be NFC versus AFC. It needs to be the AFC playoff contenders versus the NFC playoff that's right. contenders. And if that's the case, then, yeah, the NFC playoff contenders far and beyond way better than the AFC. See, I don't I – don't, But I don't, it, it wasn't the que- – the, I, I guess that's just – Looking too deep into this question. It but is, and, that, I, and I took us deep there, and I shouldn't have. But that, that is – I understand what people are saying, though. The play, on the, in terms of playoff, if you're looking at the NFC, the NFC is way better than the AFC at the current moment. Can we do a fun thing here? Just borrow, of course Tom, we can. Tom, just borrow like two minutes of your time on this show. You're not borrowing any of my – it's our time. This is okay. a family unit here. So I've, I've been – We have whole, kept the nuclear family together here, and we <laughs> believe in that. We don't believe in the breakup of the nuclear family here on Off the Bench. That's right. Please. Except for Quitter Paul. That's right. That's Except, right. who, by the way, is in the chat today. Is he? He must, he must not be hanging out with Sean Miller. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's the thing. So one of the top teams in the NFC is obviously the Dallas Cowboys, and I've been hard on the Dallas Cowboys all year long. And they just won by 20 points over the Philadelphia Eagles at home this, this Sunday. So maybe it's a bad time to do this. But, Tom, I'm going to run through the Dallas Cowboys schedule. Okay. And you tell me if the Bengals would win or lose each time, and we'll figure out what the Bengals' record is. If the Bengals would win or lose the remaining game. schedule. No, I'm saying I'm saying to this point. So I'm just gonna give you this. I'm just gonna give you the team. You tell me Bengals win or loss. All right. Week one against the Giants. Bengals win or lose. Win. All right. Week two against the Jets. Win. Week three against the Cardinals. Win. Week four against the Patriots. Win. Week five. In San Francisco, a game that the Bengals won. They won, but I would have picked them to lose. Okay. So four and one. In LA Chargers. Uh, dub. Versus at home against the Rams. Uh, dub. Okay. In Philadelphia. L. At home against the Giants. Dub. On the road against Carolina. Dub. At home against uh, Washington. Dub. At home against Seattle. Dub. At home against the Eagles. Uh, uh, home, dub. Okay, so the Bengals, according to that, would be 11-2. and two. Yeah. So, I mean, like, we, we, can, we can look at the Cowboys and ooh and But all a lot of that has to do with their division. I mean, you, you just said Washington twice. You said the Giants twice. I mean, it's like, that's played, four no-brainers. <laughs> they played the Cardinals, the no, Patriots, but, well, you do the that based Panthers. On who you play, the, I mean, but all of that is set up years. And, and the I division get you're going to play – has to do with years in advance and you how the rotation works. You can't. There's you nothing. You can't do anything it. about it. But we would be thinking of the Bengals in a much different light. We'd be thinking of a lot of AFC teams in a much different light if they played the Dallas Cowboys schedule. Well, there's no. If doubt. the Buffalo Bills played that schedule, they'd be ten and three. Yeah, you're right. And we'd be talking about how great the, the Buffalo Bills are. If the Kansas City Chiefs played that schedule, they'd be ten and three, eleven and two, something along those lines. And we'd be talking about how great the Kansas City Chiefs. True. Are. 
So I'm just saying those things matter. That's why I'm not. I, that's why I'm not uh, this year. I'm not going to allow myself, even though you know the eye test tells you the 49ers are the best team. The, the the 49ers are capable of playing a poor game. Everybody is of having an off day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they lost three games in a row at one point this season. Now you can say, well, yeah, they had Trent Williams hurt and they had Debo. I get all that. I get all that. But I, I, I'm not going to sit up here today because the Eagles are, are scuffling because the Cowboys are rolling against the schedule you just talked about. Right. Uh, now, in fairness, we're going to learn a lot more about Dallas here in the next couple of weeks. You know, we, 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 they, they, they just blasted Philadelphia the other night. They, they go on the road to Buffalo this week. The meat of their schedule, unlike the Kansas Cities of the world and some of these other teams, the, 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 the tough part of their schedule is coming up. And we'll learn a lot more about it. Uh, they even pointed out in the telecast the other night, I think it was Collinsworth, that said that when they play at home because of their speed and on that turf and no elements and all that kind of thing, you know, it would strike me as that, you know, it would probably behoove Dallas to somehow, some way, although statistically it's going to be very tough, as we talked about yesterday, for them to get two home games minimum in the playoffs. Because they go on the road and you start playing in that crummy weather, in uh, you know Philly or somewhere like that, mm, not good, not good. Okay, Casey, do you have a stink list today? I do have. A I stink can't list. wait to see this because I was filing away some of the comments you made during this buy or sell, and yeah. I'm going to see if those hold true in your stink list. Okay. Okay. Here we All go. Right. Here we go. Here we go. This week's stink list. Um, I didn't get to do one last week, so there's going to be a ton of movement from wow. the ones prior. Where uh, is that shot taken, by the way? Um, I think that's <laughs> I think that's just right out back, Tom. Um, but I'm not I'm not too sure. Where? Right out back. I, I don't know though. I don't, I don't know that for nice. sure. Um, we're gonna start <laughs> this a week. Bone? A chicken bone? Never, never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. People have been oh, having hard times right. with those bones here in Hamilton. Uh, anyways. Starting off, it's not nice. The nauseating column. Uh, these are the teams again that I just can't stand. Like they have a chance to do something, except for the Titans. I think I just put them up there because, uh, and the Raiders. I, I I just don't want to talk about them. I think they're one of the most irrelevant teams in the NFL. The Bears. There's a lot to talk about with them, but. Like with, I think with the way that they're playing, like they could probably beat all those teams I have on that column right now. The Vikings, I know they're seven and six, but they got Nick Mullins starting at quarterback. I think everyone believes that um, whoever they go up against, that they should win. That can ball the Bears win in Cleveland, yay or nay, on uh, Sunday? Honestly, the way I they're think playing. I think the Bears have a, a small chance, but I. It would require it would require a lot of things to go their way. Okay, go a lot ahead. of things to break their way. Okay. Vikings are the sixth seed in the NFC. Yes, they are. I just don't. I don't think that's going to last for very long. Okay. I, don't think I, that's I agree last with long. you. Although I don't know who, who it's going to last long for, to be honest with you. I mean, Green yeah, Bay's I mean, I in there. Which, by the way, okay, go ahead. I'm going to shut up. It's your yep. it's your it's yep. your show here. So I have uh, the Broncos leading the stench. I uh, I think that if they if they can win one more game that they're, they're going to be jumping up a lot more. I just feel like I don't trust them quite yet. A lot of these teams I have up there, I think they have good talent, but I don't trust them. I, I think the Jets have Super Bowl defense. 
that can win them games. Don't trust their offense. Okay. Same thing with the the Seahawks. I think I I really trusted Geno Smith. He's really let me down this year. Yes, he's yeah. not even playing anymore. Yeah. So I mean, so much for that take I yeah. had. Uh, the Rams, Matthew Stafford, I really like that offense. Yes, I do. But it's very inconsistent. Yep. And their defense just has Aaron Donald. Same thing with the Colts. We just played them. I don't know how they actually fare against the top teams in the NFL. Then we move on to the stink. These teams all have a, a good shot to make the playoffs. They're all playoff-worthy uh, well, teams. are really moving around now, Casey. Yeah, the Browns, they still, stink, they still stink, though. I mean – I liked what I saw with Joe Flacco, but I don't think that that uh, continues. I think they're going to eventually fall. I think the Jags are a bit fraudulent. We already talked about that. I, I thought that they were the mini Bengals, but turns out that they're actually just little little kittens. You're right. Um, they really are. Houston. They're, they're baby kittens at the zoo. Baby yeah, Jags. Yeah, little, little, little baby. Word, little baby Jags. Little baby Jags. Yeah, um, Jags. Houston, <laughs> CJ Stroud, I think he – is required to play too much hero ball. He's required to be too good, a lot like Joe Burrow. Um, that puts them down a little bit further down because I thought the roster was a little bit more talented. Turns out it actually is just kind of um, being carried by C.J. Stroud. Then we got the Steelers and Packers. Um, I might have made this before the Packers lost uh, against the, the Giants, but um, – I still think that the Packers have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs. Moving on, the odorless category. These teams, they are going to make it to the playoffs. Wow. Um, And I also think that the Bengals have one of the best rosters in the NFL with Jake Browning, without Joe Burrow. This is still a playoff team. So I mean, let me, they, let me just a... ask you a question here now. Yep. Because if you drop down the line from odorless to stink – did the Browns play the Bengals? They did, week one. Okay, who won with that a game? Hop, with a hopple Joe Burrow in the middle of a <laughs> down Who won ring. that game? I mean, the Browns did. Okay, yeah. and then the Bengals beat the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Who won that game? Was that here? Was that in Houston? Where was that Houston game? That was here. Who won that game? It was a trap game, Tom. They didn't take him seriously. Right, and then the Steelers, they were here, I think. That's tough sledding, Tom. Anyway, that was that was, that was Browning's first game. Come on, Come on. they the hadn't figured out their offense them, yet. Uh, behind the Bengals, they're they're a combined one in, or they beat Buffalo. They are two and three against those teams. Go ahead. Just listen. If the Bengals played the Steelers ten times, well, how many times are the Bengals going to beat the Steelers? To find out next week. Exactly. That's all why right. I have the we'll Bengals above I'll all these teams. I'll believe it when I see. Okay? Then we have the fresh category. These three teams are going to go deep in the playoffs. Now, I really, really was docking on the Cowboys early on in the season, mainly because I didn't respect Dak Prescott. Mm. Um, I'm going to give him a little respect. I'm going to give him a little kudos. Little I think this, is, this has been a career year for him. And that's got to that's gotta mean something, right? Andy Dolan had a career year. He took a team 12-4. and four, well, you know, not twelve and four. I don't know. I don't remember quite what the record was when he Maybe went down. Like but that. but he was really good. I mean, there was a year where, despite him not being a, a great quarterback, had a really great season. And I think Dak Prescott is having that right now. I think he deserves to be in the top echelon of NFL right now. Okay. And then the 49ers are just the best team in the NFL, hands down. Brock Purdy deserves MVP. There's tons of evidence that suggests 
that he's not just a dink and dunk quarterback. Oh. I would present those if we ever got time to making a, a, a Purdy segment on this show. The dude is in the top tier of throwing the football right now. I mean, he, he you take away the screen game, you take away the be, be, uh, behind the line of scrimmage throws, and he's still in the top tier in throwing the ball down the field. Number it's like, one. Yeah, number one. yards per attempt. Yeah, number one. Number one. So that leaves us to the bottom of the tier, the bottom of the list. No shocker. Panthers, Cardinals, Patriots, Giants, Washington, and, of course, the Chargers, who just can't seem to win a ball game. lost Justin Herbert. I might have even had them too high on the putrid list. They might need to get knocked down a few pegs because at least the Giants can win a ball game. At least Washington can look a little competitive. Chargers didn't look competitive at all. They look terrible. Terrible. And, and Herbert's done for the year. I'm kind of curious. Um, gosh, what was the question I just wanted to ask you guys real quick? The story uh, out of uh, New England, real quick. Uh, that where, you know, Tom Curran, who's been around there a long time, man. I've known this dude 25 years. And, and when it comes to knowing what's happened with the Patriots, he is on it. Apparently, Bill Belichick was just asked at their press conference a few minutes ago, and he would not talk about anything except for their game this week. But if you weren't with us in the monologue, Tom Curran, Patriots insider, was on Boston NBC affiliate last night, says a decision was made uh, when they had that humiliating loss over in Germany that Robert Kraft, at the end of the year, is letting Bill Belichick go with one year left on a contract. Yes or no, do you believe it? Yes or no, do you believe Belichick has a head coaching job with another NFL team next year? Elliot? I believe he will coach another NFL team. I think he is out with the Patriots. I do believe that. I think, I think Robert Kraft is tired of losing. I think ever since Tom Brady, there has been some, some blood boiling uh, between Kraft and Belichick. So I, 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 think, I think it's over. They had a good run. If they had a quarterback, maybe it would be a little bit different. But it looks like they have no future, and they're just trying to gut everything. All right. Just restart fresh. Yeah, I think he's gone this year, and I think he'll coach next year. I, I think I think that there's already deals in place. I think there's already been conversations. I don't know. That's obviously against the rules, but I think that they're, it's already predetermined where he's going to be next year. I what, what, right. team, what team – because I think he'll also leave the Patriots. I just don't know what team is going to want to – I mean, there's going to be a team that takes him, but what team is it? Is it the Panthers? I mean, they're going to probably get rid of Frank Reich. Is it the Chargers? Like, one of those teams feels like even if he goes there, it's going to be a real, real scary time for that team because he hasn't really proven that he can. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. If like, this year has not been great for him in right. terms of coaching. So I don't know where. We'll save hmm. that for the offseason. Hmm. It's interesting. You look at some of the teams out there that uh, that could be in the market for a coach. And like the Raiders, not, maybe. Yes, you know, Parker. I mean, it, some guys are locked up in long-term deals. Some guys are, you know, brand new to their team, where you figure they wouldn't run them. Chargers are a team that comes to mind. Chargers, where you have a big Panthers, time, you know, you have a big time quarterback. Raiders, um, Commanders, Bears. Commanders. Yeah, these are all places that. And they I've, I've, heard, I've, heard the, I've heard the commander's name thrown around to where they would give him control of the roster as well. I don't know if I'd be doing that, but he might be <laughs> It doesn't seem like that. a good idea, does it, Tom? Uh, it doesn't. I mean, they, they've made a lot. And they, look, they made a lot of mistakes even when they were rolling, letting some guys go and, you know, this guy and everything. And um, Boy, it'd be weird, though, man. 
it'd be really, really weird if all of a sudden no longer Bill Belichick roaming the sidelines in Foxborough. That would be very, very strange. And, and somebody else roaming those sidelines in Foxborough. Okay, we're about out of time. Um, we have box lunch coming up, correct? Yep. And you are the host today, Elliot? I am. Okay, is there any tease you want to give us for something we didn't get into that you're really excited about today? Uh, well, no, I wouldn't say there's any big, there's any big, listen, the Wednesday show is always uh, a little bit slower than the Monday shows, but uh, I'm going to go over some winners and losers in the NFL. I'm going to go over some would you rathers. We're going to go over some funny things. Okay. I like it. Okay. All right. It'll Good be entertaining. Enough. And Casey, you'll be here for that. Reed, you'll be here for that. Yes. Um, couple of, so that's coming up next. Nothing else tonight, right? Mac and JT. Mac and JT. Oh, and JT. golly day. Okay. My bad. My bad. And what time does that start? Starts at 7.30. 7.30. Okay, 7.30 tonight. You had uh, uh, Coach's Clicker last night. Great show by uh, Kyle previewing the whole Minnesota thing. Fantastic. And we'll get into some of that on Friday. I will not be here tomorrow. Um, is, is somebody filling in for me tomorrow? We're not, just not having a show. That's going to be a surprise for the guest who's going who's gonna, to – we're going to have a show. We're going to have a show. Well, you'll be surprised who's going to host. Really? Yeah, it'll be a little surprise, a little surprise. Jacob back from college? Maybe. Could be. you have to find out. Paul coming in. Who knows? Wow. Wow. I'll have to be dialed in. Uh, I'll have to see if the, you know I can get YouTube or whatever where I'm driving to Bloomington tomorrow. See how that goes. Uh, if anybody has any, anything for me to do to hang out for like an hour or two tomorrow, because my son doesn't want me anywhere in sight because he's studying, allegedly, although he's been in this chat the last two days uh, for an exam, um, let me know. Let me know. Yogi's. Uh, there are a few places I could hang out. <laughs> uh, it'd be a little tough then to get home would be the problem. All right. Uh, we, we decided on the, uh, the cherry on top. To be. What was it that we said earlier? We wanted it was going to be my top five. You want to, you want to do that? Well, let's have the top five. Yeah. Let's have the top for five. Tomorrow. All right. All right. Let's, let's, let's dive right in. All right. Let's uh, run the cherry on top, Casey. And then we'll, then we'll get right into this okay, top Okay, go ahead and run it. From our friends at United Dairy Farmers. Mm -hmm. We appreciate everybody being with us here today. And now, our weekly segment of Reed Mouse's Top 5. It is my Top 5. Every Wednesday. This yes. Is, this is the highlight of my week. Hopefully, it's the highlight of your guys' week. Listen, we're getting close to the end of the year, so it's time to wrap up what has happened in the world of Cincinnati sports. So we're going to go on a somber note this Wednesday. The somber note is the top five most disappointing things. Because Casey said it's the most disappointing year in Cincinnati sports yes. history. Yes. It is the top five most disappointing things to happen to the city of Cincinnati this year. Coming in at number five, this one's going to hit Casey very hard. It's going to be FCC loses oh, to the Columbus boy. crew. In the MLS Hell is real. Hell, hell is, is real. real. Hell is real. Casey was feeling hell when he walked in here on a Monday. Luckily, yes, the Bengals was. brought him back to life. Yes. And he's all the way back. So that's coming Man, in. Man, about five. all the way, but go ahead. Now, I'm gonna, this is going to be a trigger warning for the Bengals fans in here. But coming in at number four was Joe Burrow's injury. Oh, boy. Man, Thursday night football against the Ravens. Kind of a chance to assert the Cincinnati Bengals as still a contender in the National Football League. And Joe Burrow goes down after taking a 10 to seven lead and he won't play for the rest of the year. That was coming in at number four. And you notice my tone is getting very somber yes. as I talk. Well, about it should be. Things. Yeah. Coming in at number three, it is something that I don't think a lot of people foresaw, 
Um, I think people thought that this new year, riding the momentum that they've had the past couple years, would just continue into a new conference, and that is UC football. They stubbed their toe in the Big 12. It's oh, a bad year. Uh. They get a big-time hire in Coach Satterfield. Um, it really started after they turned down Deion Sanders. Deion was, was groveling to get the UC Bearcats job, and uh, they said no. They said, we got our guy Sat. And sat sat right on down, and uh, they didn't play too well this year. Had a hell of a year with Louisville. Yeah, that's right. That's right, coaching, Tom. He was coaching Louisville. They had a great year. All right, coming in at number two, we're going to keep it right there in Clifton. I don't think a lot of people foresaw this one either, but the University of Cincinnati Bearcats, they lost the Crosstown Show oh, once again. That hurt. It is very hard to imagine a team that is the maybe the greatest college football, college basketball team that the world has ever seen. Losing to Centos as they were coming, Xavier Musketeers were coming off a three-game, um, three-loss stretch, but that's exactly what happened, and it is, I mean, just so so somber. I feel I feel for all the UC fans out there, but coming in at number one, I mean, what could hurt, what could top UC losing the Crosstown Shootout? What could top UC football stubbing their toe? Joe Burrow getting hurt, F MLS, and it's it's the Reds once again missing the postseason. Listen, everyone got so excited. Yeah. So, so excited. I mean, All you vibes guys. have never been high. They won 12 games, and some people in this city, some people in this studio were saying it's the greatest feat that the city of Cincinnati has ever done. It was winning 12 no straight doubt. Major League Baseball games. And they got the hopes up so high, so, so high, and then just crash and burn. Trickled off. Trickled off. They missed the postseason. So that was Reed's top five coming to number one, the Reds missing the postseason. Oh, thanks. In case you might be onto something, might be onto something. Not the worst year. <laughs> it's those, it's those been tough. Depressing. I mean, we're supposed to, you know, when you get depressed. And l- let's be honest about it. This time of the year, for a lot of people, it's, it's tough for it's, a lot of people. It's a struggle. You know, they they think of better days. They think of what they could have done different. Or around the holidays, sometimes you want to be around those people. Quite honestly, a lot of times you, you, you don't want to be around them at all. You know? That's right. Crazy Uncle Bill, right? Yep. Chain smoking Aunt Jane in the corner. Um, you know, the, po- the political conversations that come up. I mean, it could be any number. The, the embarrassing story your dad tells every year about when you were a little kid, right? Yep. I mean, all those things happen. And they happen to all of us. Okay. I would only, I would have two suggestions as we say goodbye today and box lunch comes up next. I would say, you know, look, three things. Be thankful for everything you have. Because really, compared to most people in the world, right, you, you, you probably got it pretty good. So be thankful. Say your prayers, right? Say your prayers. Okay? It's good for, it, it, it's good for every part of you. Spirit, mind, body, and soul. And then after you do that, those two things tend to be quiet time. As soon as everybody shows up for the holidays, I would suggest you find your old CD player. Maybe some of you still have the vinyl. Maybe some of you just have the internet in your house. And I would recommend that you put this on to change everything. Hey, ching it ching. 
It's Dominic the donkey, king of the jing. The Italian Christmas donkey. La 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 Santa's got a little friend, his name is Dominic. The cutest little donkey, you never see him kick. When Santa visits his paisans with Dominic, he'll be Because the reindeer cannot climb the hills of Italy Hey! hey. Jing. It's Dominic the donkey Jingity-jing The Italian Christmas donkey La, 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 la La, 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 Another verse, your old key change. Jingle bells around his feet and presents on the sled. Hey, look at the mayor's derby on top of Dominic's head. A pair of shoes for Louie and a dress for Josephine. The label on the inside says they're made in Brooklyn. Hey, hey. it's Dominic the donkey. This is another verse? It goes on forever. All right, all right. you get the point. All right, box lunch coming up right now. Here we go. 